Ladies and gentlemen, due to the nature of the films being discussed in today's podcast, we issue a swear warning. There will be swearing in this podcast, and it will probably be filthy. Fucking Windows 98! Fuck up! How would you like to suck my balls? Fuck! Fucking Jew! You'd fuck your uncle! You'd fuck your uncle! Get faced cockmaster! You fuck pigs! Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Malk and Benji's Double Bill. Find us at malkandbenji.blogspot.com. Hello and welcome to Malk and Benji's Double Bill. I'm Malk. And I'm Benji. And today we're talking about uh, two of possibly the most... Um, extreme opposites of a certain <laughs> genre that I can think yeah. of. One is the very traditional, uh, quintessential Hollywood musical, uh, MGM Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. And the other... <laughs> um, the other is the very uh, untraditional, uh, anti-musical, uh, Warner Bros. and Paramount's South Park Bigger, Longer and Uncut. Absolutely. Um yeah, I've got such a giggle. So many people have asked me this week, what's the next podcast on? And I've said that, and the eyes just come out the head. Yeah, both, Why those both, two? Uh, both musicals following into the same genre, but you really couldn't get two more disparate examples of a genre. One of the things I love about musicals, actually. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you can cover this much ground and still be in the same genre. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, mean, I suppose that, that brings into question the discussion of the word genre. Genre, yeah. Is musical a genre? I know famously uh, animators don't like to consider animation a genre. Yeah. Is musical a genre? Maybe, Maybe it shouldn't not. be, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, they're both they're both the same form, at least. Yes. The same form of entertainment. Um, and, uh, and, you know, bizarrely, they're both completely opposite in terms of what they're trying to do but they're also both very very good yes. uh, which is unusual you know, usually when you get two things that are so opposite one of them is usually crap yeah um but um but yeah not in this case no. um and as uh, as mentioned in the uh, the opening yeah. um sort of uh, get out of jail free card <laughs> there will be swearing in this uh, podcast you can't not really I yeah. think the, the, yeah, the you South can't Park talk about the work cut. of Gene Kelly without <laughs> swear words in there. Yeah, what if? Anyway, um, <laughs> no, uh, South Park is uh, or was at least for many many years the Guinness World Record holder for the most number of swears in a movie. Was it? Um, I it think it's been usurped since, but yeah, yeah it, by by quite some distance. I'd, became... I'd have thought Tarantino would have had that. No, yeah. no. He's got something. Is it the number of f bombs per minute or something? Uh, I don't think it's that. I, I think Tarantino's use of of, the, of swears is um, artistic. Yeah. But I don't think it's excessive. It's excessive. Um, whereas I think at South know, Park, Reservoir Dogs is quite. Yeah. But maybe, yeah, you maybe it is. Know. But it's not like I mean in in this one they it's say the f word about seventeen times. In about twenty seconds, in some of these yeah, songs, that's true. so so it, it really is, you know, it's not excessive. in the same league. Yeah. It's meant to be excessive. It's designed to be excessive. Whereas Tarantino, he just doesn't censor yeah. himself, you know. So yeah, yeah, okay. Um, two two very different musicals, two very interesting musicals, two very good musicals. Yeah. Um, so while there will be, um, you know, upsides and downsides, again, we'll be focusing, I think, mainly on the upsides. On the upsides I think um, so. It's not a it's not a review so much as it is a, an exploration of uh, of musicals in general. Um, I like that. Yeah, an exploration. Yeah, yeah. Um, if it, it, 
one thing I've been thinking about particularly is that because we get to choose the movies that we look at, um, with the exception of a particular upcoming movie, uh, most of the films that we will be reviewing and that we will be looking at and we have looked at are films that we've both enjoyed. So if anyone would like to hear of any movies that we didn't like, yeah. Um, or you don't want us to have control over the movies that we yeah. talk about, please, please, please do email in um, or, or post to the blog. It's yeah. malcolmbenji.blogspot.com or email to churchofben at googlemail.com uh, and let us know what films you would like us to talk about. And then if they're dreadful films that we don't like, you'll hear us be a lot more scathing about them. But so uh, while we get to pick our own films, we're going to pick films that we like yeah. uh, for the most part. For the most part. Uh, we do have an upcoming theme, which is our <laughs> least favourite films, but we'll, uh, yeah. that's the exception rather than the rule. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, should we start with the one minute synopsis? Yes. Which, okay. Which one will we go? Which one will we do first? Will we um, do Singing in the Rain first? We'll do Singing in the Rain first. Um, okay. Would you do Singing in the Rain? Well, I, would I do Singing in the Rain? Okay. And I'll do South Park? Or... Yep. Yeah, right? no, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, have you got a timer? Uh, uh, ready, or I are do, you going to yes. be able to? Okay. Um, starting in three, two, one. So, Singing in the Rain is uh, the story of uh, three uh, friends, uh, I suppose, who are, well, they're not friends at the start of the story, all of them, but um, people who work in Hollywood in show business at, uh, at the dawn of the talkie, um, and uh, there's sort of two silent actor, uh, silent movie actors who are enjoying much fame and fortune, and then their studio starts producing talkies, and they discover that while he is still very, very good, she has got a horrible voice and they can't really use her, so they get another actress in to dub over her lines, um, uh, it's a wild success, but then everybody, their emotions get involved as our leading man falls for the voice rather than the face, and the face gets all, all upset, and you know, uh, things spiral out of control. And then we end with a wonderful feel good reveal that the woman whose voice everybody has been lapping up and applauding finally gets the credit she's deserved, and the couple reconcile, and, and it's all very nice. And on the singing and dancing involved on occasion. Awesome. How was that? Under a minute. Was it? Very good. Only it's about very Spartan, seven to be seconds. fair. That was it. Yeah, it's not really a story movie, is it? <laughs> no, it's, it's, um, a, it's a premise with lots of song and dance. But, yeah. Uh, yeah it's a... In fact, actually, um, it, it's literally the case that they yeah. had the songs first and had to yeah. write the scripts around the songs. Um, a lot of the songs, I didn't realise this, because the songs have become so um, connected with the film. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of the songs existed before the film, before the project, uh -huh. and they were taken from other films. Oh. Um, and uh, one or two that were actually um, theoretically stolen. Make Em Laugh is almost entirely based on um, a song from an earlier uh, Gene Kelly film called The Pirates called Be a Clown. Oh. It was Be a Clown, Be a Clown, da -da 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 -da, um, which I think was written by Irving Berlin, or one of the, right. one of the major sort of musical theatre writers at the time, um, and they basically stole the melody, rewrote the lyrics, and then when yeah. Irving Berlin came to visit the set and said, hang on, yeah. I recognise that tune. The producers whisked him off and gave him a big slap-up meal and a drink and changed the subject, you know. So, uh, mm, so yes, yeah, story, not the, not the strong point. Not the strong point. But it's, it's not really the, the, the point, I suppose. It's um, it's all about the, the spectacle, isn't it? And, uh, Absolutely, yeah. Way. It's, a, it's, uh, um, it's a, a Hollywood musical which revels in its Hollywood musicality yeah. um, and also pays uh, strong homage to um, uh, to the silent film era. So it is, it is more about the, the feel and the setting than it is about the actual story. Yeah, I agree. I just realised actually an, an, another tenuous link between our two films. Um, in, the, in Singing in the Rain they make a picture within the picture. 
and uh, much of the plot of South Park is driven by a picture within within the movie. movie, Yeah, the movie within the movie. Very interesting. Yeah. So there is. We should we should have pretended that that was the (laughs) point. That that was my idea. Did you not realise that? Yeah, I I, I didn't get the memo. memo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's uh, this is this is getting pretty deep now. This is yeah, yeah, I like it. It's getting meta. So shall we? Uh, shall we go on to South Park? South Park, yes. Um, like, seeing as you were under a minute, I'm going to take some of your time gonna, you didn't use oh, right, because okay. I think it will take longer than a minute to, to talk about the plot to South Park. <laughs> because as unconvoluted as singing in the rain, it sounds like a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, now, um, absolutely. I have to say, yeah. If if I'm less than a minute, it will be a lot less than a minute because I'll miss out most of it. I'll try and do my best. Yeah. Okay. So. South Park, Bigger, Longer and Uncut, um, is a spin-off from the TV series. It was uh, written during and aired after season two, so it's carrying on the story of the boys from South Park. If you don't know South Park, go and watch South Park, because yeah. um, it's really, really good, especially the, the earlier seasons. All of the later seasons are very good as well, so not especially the earlier seasons. I'm wasting time. It's, it's over a minute. Yeah. Okay, so uh, <laughs> basically, you've got the four boys uh, who find out that their favourite cartoon characters, Terrence and Philip, have made a movie, um, self-referentially. So they go to the cinema to try and see the movie. They're not in so they pay a homeless guy to get them in they go in it's littered with curse words uh, and violent acts and, and disgusting things not violent acts actually that's important not violent acts but you know lighting farts and, and yeah. swearing and farts and swearing and farts and swearing um, so they come out they swear in class the teacher tells them off um, and they find out that's where the boys have been so the parents um, start to uh, blame Canada <laughs> which is where the cartoon is made um, and they, they start an organisation called Mothers Against Canada who fight against um, Canadian smut in America um, so they kidnap Terence and Philip on a, a, a Conan, Conan O'Brien, O'Brien show. Yeah. How you kidnap a cartoon character, I don't know, but you know mm-hmm. that's never explained in the film. Are they, are they not just actors? I didn't think they were meant to be cartoons. Well, they mentioned that the animation's all crappy. Oh yeah, of course. So it's a, both a cartoon and not a cartoon oh, at the same yeah. time. Um, so uh, so yeah, so the uh, the the uh, turns are kidnapped and they're sentenced to death. Meanwhile, the boys set up a group um, to try and rescue Terence and Philip. Um, for various different reasons. Cartman, because he wants a V-chip out of his head, which has been implanted to stop him swearing. The V-chip yeah. gives you an electric shock when you swear. Uh, Kyle wants to stand up to his mother, and Stan wants his girlfriend to like him again because she's fallen for uh, a sort of a political douchebag yeah. um, called Gregory. Uh, so, I'm already over my minute, and I'm only about halfway through. Uh, I'll try and speed up. So, uh, anyway... <laughs> um, yeah, the, 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 USO, uh, the US Army set up a USO show uh, where Terence Philip are to be executed and the boys go there to rescue them but the Canadian Army attacks and, uh, and, and blows everything up um, but Mrs. Broflosky, Kyle's mother, shoots them anyway even though the boys managed to raise a defence against, um, against uh, killing Terence and Philip. Um, meanwhile, Kenny, who has lit his farts on fire and died, has mm-hmm. gone to hell and found out that when Terence and Philip are killed, Satan and his lover Saddam Hussein will be able to come back to Earth and conquer the Earth. So he comes back as a ghost and warns the boys, or warns Cartman, not to let Terence and Philip die. So when Terence and Philip die, Saddam Hussein and Satan come back to Earth, um, but Cartman, because he got electrocuted, his V-chips acting weird, he manages to fight off... Um, uh, Saddam Hussein with uh, a sort of Emperor Palpatine-esque lightning bolts from his hands um, and then Satan who has been under Saddam's thumb throughout the whole film finally stands up to him, kills him and goes back to hell, a much happier Dark Lord uh, of, yeah. of hell Yeah. Um, Kenny's last wish before he uh, before he dies or no, he, he's, he's given a last wish Yeah. before he's taken he, back he, to hell Satan gives him a wish out of yeah. gratitude, out of gratitude yeah. Yeah, yeah. helping him stand up to, to Saddam uh, and he wishes that everything goes back to normal so everything's back to normal in the end, it's a nice sort of melody reprise uh, and Kenny goes to uh, heaven which is full of boobs yeah the end, the end. 
So that's almost two minutes. That, that, that's a two-minute synopsis. That was, that was the one-minute synopsis, bigger, longer, and on yeah. the <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, there we go. There's uh, our two films, uh, Singing in the Rain and South Park, Bigger, Longer and Uncut, which was, seeing as I gave a little bit of trivia for Singing in the Rain, I'll give a bit of trivia for South Park, um, which was originally meant to be called um, South Park, All Hell Breaks Loose. Ah. But what Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the creators of South Park, said was the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America, who were basically the government um, body that censors American films, um said you're not allowed to use that title because it contains hell and you're not allowed to use any words like hell in your titles. Mm-hmm. So they changed it to South Park Bigger, Longer and Uncut, which of course can refer to either a, a film or a penis. <laughs> so they managed to slip that one, pardon the pun, <laughs> by um, by the MPAA. However, that's according to the MPA, a load of uh, dog shit because yeah. there's lots of films that have got hell in the title. Yeah, from hell. Yeah. Um, hell comes to... Something town. The Hellraiser. Hellraiser, yes. Yeah. So there's a lot of films on the title. Hell... I mean, it wasn't out yet, but still. Well, neither was um, From Hell. No, neither, neither it was. But Hell, Hell, Hellraiser Hell was, was yeah. yeah. <laughs> so were like five sequels. Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, Hell obviously was allowed in title, so that's just a bit of a publicity um, yeah. stunt there from, uh, from but, the but, South Park But boys. is it? Because the voiceover man in the trailer, we just watched the trailer as well as the film, and at the end it says, next summer, all hell breaks loose, and that's when it fades to black. Um... And it doesn't. It doesn't say bigger, longer, and uncut in the trailer. It just says South Park. Okay, so maybe, so may, maybe they changed it, but I maybe don't they, think it was the MPA that their, did their it. Minds, but it not could have been reason. Paramount, possibly. Could have been. Yeah. Um, who owned Comedy Central? Who owns South Park? South Park who, yeah. Who's made made South Park through? Um, they they own it. I mean, obviously Trey Parker and Matt Stone are the creators, but they, uh, you know, obviously Comedy Central controls the the budget, yeah, controls the money. Yeah. So that's how, that's where the ownership comes from. So yeah, I, I don't know where that where that yes. comes from, but it's not uh, it's not true. It's, it's a, not, it's, a it's, it's a it's a George Lucas Revenge of, of the Jediism. Yeah, bing. That's what that was. Thirteen minutes and George Lucas had mentioned. Yep. Okay, very good. It would have been sooner if your synopsis had only been a minute. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> that's very true. We could have gotten in a lot sooner, couldn't we? Sorry, George. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, actually, to be fair, you did say Emperor Palpatine esque during your. I did. So I got Star Wars in there at least, if not a River George. So yeah, let's yeah. Um, let's go to um, Sing in the Rain, rain. and yeah. we'll do our likes and dislikes. Likes and dislikes. Um, and then we'll uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I I think the first thing I want to say I like about Singing in the Rain is Donald O'Connor. Yes, I I just think he's wonderful. I, I think everyone's got all the principles are good in that film, um, but. Uh, Donald O'Connor's just got this wonderful uh, comic timing. He has. Um, m- much more... T- I, th- I think Gene Kelly's probably the, the better dancer. He's certainly got all the better moves, but um, we'll, we'll come to that. We'll come to that later, yeah. That. But I think Donald O'Connor's the, the more naturally funny of the two, and he, 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 pardon the pun, he does make him laugh. He does indeed. Um, now, again, just to show how much I've researched this, because yeah. I think um, it's one of the films that I'm that we've reviewed that I'm least familiar with. Okay. Um, so I did a lot more research into this than I normally would have done, because I assume that I know a lot more than I do about the films that I've seen, whereas yeah. this one I knew I didn't, so I researched. Uh, Donald O'Connor actually came from vaudeville. Mm-hmm. Um, he has those skills. He didn't have to learn them specifically for the for the film. He actually yeah. like, that that was where he started his career. Whereas Gene Kelly, to the best of my knowledge, wasn't a vaudeville star, so he had to basically use his dance training to yeah. to, to, to fake being a vaudeville star. 
Um, and the song Make It Laugh, Make Make Them Laugh, yeah. um, as I've mentioned before, the tune was stolen, but the actual sequence yeah. was put in specifically to play to Donald O'Connor's strengths. Um, Gene Kelly had seen him do some of this stuff, and it was meant to be quite an introspective number, a bit of a ballad. Um, and Gene Kelly said, you know, this isn't working, this part of the film, let's turn it into a vaudeville piece, and you can you can play all your tricks. Yeah. Um, and Donald O'Connor did. So, did. so yeah. yeah, so he's, yeah, he's rightly so... Yeah, a plus point for you because uh, absolutely, uh, yeah. Just that that whole sequence is wonderful, and and also the the start as well. The the sort of the flashback bits mm-hmm. where uh, we're we're getting the narration and he's 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 telling the the lovely sugar coated version of the story, but the the images we see is what really happened. Yes, and, and they work their way up and uh, when they're doing the violin gag and yeah, which is a very those. clever sequence. Yeah, it's one of my favourite sequences actually. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so yeah, that's uh. <laughs> My first uh, big plus point is uh, Donald O'Connor and every bit he's in, even the quips as well, because mm-hmm. not just obviously his big strength is the, like you said, the vaudeville acts, you know, but uh, even just with the dialogue scenes, and it's usually it's uh, Gene Kelly and who's the the other guy, uh, the producer, the producer, yeah. the, the, the head of the studio. I forget the guy's yeah, name. name. RF, they call him in the, yeah. in the in the film, but I can't remember the actor's name. But yeah, it's when when they're having their sort of three way dialogues, and he basically just pops in with a quip mm-hmm. and then vanishes again, and he's really really funny. Uh, Millard Mitchell. Millard Mitchell. R.F. Simpson. R.F. Simpson is yeah. the character name. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just think the the delivery and the timing of all all his lines and everything. I just it's wonderful, wonderful. He's very good. Although that is it, that is a hallmark yeah. of vaudeville. Vaudeville wasn't just yeah. a, a singing and dancing sort of um, act. It, oh, was, it yeah. was it was all round entertainment. Right. You know, comedians, patter, jugglers. Yeah. You know, acrobats. You name it. And you've seen King Kong, the Peter yeah. Jackson King yeah. Kong. I mean, you've seen the the variety of stuff you found in vaudeville. It was it really was a the popular entertainment of the late eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's 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 your first plus point? My first plus point. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go really broad here. Uh-huh. No, I'm not. Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds. I think good. Debbie Reynolds has got a lot of charisma, and I am a little bit annoyed that she didn't do more. She did a great deal, uh-huh. um, and she's clearly a Hollywood legend, but not as much of what she did has survived in the vein of, say, Catherine Hepburn or Ginger Rogers. Yeah. Um, and I wish more had, because she's really good in that film. She's yeah. got a sweetness and naivety. Um, she's a brilliant dancer and a very, very good singer, although we'll get to that um, yeah. again in a little bit. Um, but I think she's really, really good. I think this yeah. was her first lead role. Not her first Hollywood role. I think it's her third or fourth Hollywood role. Her first lead role, and I think she copes amiably and, and and she is you know a household name today amongst those people who like Hollywood musicals and I think rightly so because she's very very good yeah. uh, but as I said my second point here going very very broadly here going sort of very sort of outside of the scope of specifics yeah. I think the tone of the film and I think the style of the film are gleeful I think they are so joyous yeah. Um, that's one of the things that I really got when I was watching it. Even though in my later research I found out that it wasn't exactly all smiles oh, on set, yeah. it felt that way. It felt that way. And I think that's more than just the editing. I think that comes down to the skill and professionalism of the cast and the editing. Yeah. Um, but it just feels like 
a classic. It feels yeah. like a classic. It feels good to watch. There's a genuine warmth that just Th- that's exactly leaps it. off the screen. Even you, when people it? are arguing and fighting and they're they're yeah. falling out with each other, there is a warmth. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and that for me is one of the hallmarks of a classic. You know, the, 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 there's the famous phrase that they have the X factor. And yeah. It's something it's something undefinable, but something which is, is is tangible almost. And this has it. You know, it has that yeah. warmth, that that spirit, that. Um, dedication to to the form that that makes it a classic yeah so that's that's kind of one of my general points there no, I, um, I love the fact that it's set in hollywood i mean as a as a sort yeah. of wannabe film buff um you know it's it, it's perfect it, it, it's a film therefore we like it and it's about <laughs> but it's film, about films yeah, and filmmaking you know it's yeah, yeah it's, it's interest squared you know you get to look that's at the history exactly, of hollywood yeah. Uh, as well as enjoying a classical history of Hollywood film. So, yeah, yeah so there's, there's that about it. Um, Donald O'Connor's great. Uh, Gene Kelly's very, very good. Um, the whole cast are really, really good. I really yeah. like the woman who plays... Um, Lena. Yeah, is it, is it Lena? Jean, yeah. Uh, Jean Hagen. Do you know yeah. Jean Hagen? Yeah. Um, she's really, really good. And I'll tell you what's actually more impressive is that when she sings in the singing... The Dancing Cavalier? Yes. The dancing In The Dancing Cavalier. Cavalier. When she sings, and it's meant to be um, Kathy overdubbing her, yeah. it's actually her, her, Jean Hagen, singing. In her real voice. In her real voice, as opposed to the voice she puts on, yeah. exactly. So she's actually a stunning singer yeah. who manages to put on this horrific voice, voice. Yeah. because she's also a very good comic actress. So she, she really sort of yeah. like doubles up her talent that's really good. Un- in an undercurrent, yeah. I like that. That's almost like when when you used to see it was it was it uh, Tommy Cooper uh, that used to do the the act with the no it wasn't Tommy Cooper it was uh, Malcolm and Wise. Uh, no, what's his name? Oh, I can picture him now, but I can't see him. He used to play the piano, and he would play all the wrong notes. Malcolm and do... Wise. Well, it wasn't Malcolm and Wise. It was Malcolm and Wise. Was it? It was Eric Malcolm. No. It's not the one I'm thinking of. And he's of. playing all the right notes, just not necessarily. No, right not that order. one. Not that oh, one. right, There's okay. another one. There was a... Oh, I'm kicking myself. I can't believe... It could be Tommy Cooper. I mean, he was a fantastic uh, pianist, pianist as well yeah, and yeah, a wonderful could, magician. It could, it could be Tommy Cooper, but I, I, I don't think it was. But yeah, we'll, we'll say it's Tommy Cooper and okay. I'll, then we'll, I'll correct myself on Google later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and there's that thing. He did this recurring sketch where he would play a well-known song mm-hmm. horrifically. Of course, to be able to do that, he actually to had to be to be to play it really well Absolutely. first, and then he knew when when best to time the missed note. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's that, that's that kind of thing as well. You know, she's Lena's so horrible when she sings. Yeah, it's actually it's, a really good singer knows knows how to do that. It's like jazz, and I'm about to basically get rid of any audience who we still have um, okay. having insulted Americans, Europeans, French, Australians. Um, it's like jazz. Jazz is dreadful. I hate jazz. <laughs> I hate it. I think it is non-music. There goes my dad. People, <laughs> people say, oh, you're not listening to the notes that they're playing. You need to listen to the notes they're not playing. No, I want to listen to the notes, pl- I want to listen to the notes they're playing. I want to listen to the melody, not just some guy just warming up for an hour on stage. Um, but to be able to play jazz, you have to be very, very talented. I couldn't play jazz because I don't play any music. I don't play an instrument. But you have to be able to play very, very well to play jazz. And it's the same thing. It's like jazz comedy. Yeah. It's like you have to be very, very good to be able to make yourself look so bad, and and that's yeah. that's what I think she gets there. So, um, so yeah, she, uh, uh, Jean Hagen, there is a very, um, a very important reason as to why I enjoy the movie so much. Yeah. I think finding out later that it was her that's singing just just sealed She's the deal. Icing on the cake, yeah. I do kind of feel feel bad in a way because it's all 
all the sort of imagery, the poster and the DVD cover and, mm-hmm. and all the stuff is structured, around, you know, around the three of them. Yeah. Um, but but it's actually, it's a four lead. Well, she's the villain, I suppose. Yeah, but... Um, yeah. I suppose the, the reason why she's not more part of the marketing material is because at the time, you you wouldn't have had a sympathetic villain. I mean, she's, she doesn't play a sympathetic villain. No. It's Hollywood, 1951. It was a very simple time in terms of the narrative and in terms of the characters supplied within the narrative. And you, you wouldn't have had fans of her. You'd have fans yeah. of the actress, but yeah. not fans of the character. character. So yeah. you wouldn't have, like, nowadays you'd have people who like her because they know the actress, they know her talent, so you'd yeah. like the character. Or you'd enjoy her on a postmodern level because she's yeah. such a well-played comic villain. But at the time, I don't think you would have had that, and that's why yeah. she maybe isn't part of the yeah. of the of the stuff today. The, because the boos and hisses were more genuine. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Not that people thought she was a bad person. No, no, no. You can, you know, but <laughs> yeah. There, there, there yeah. wasn't that sort of post-modern appreciation of villains. Uh, Hans Gruber would not have had a Facebook <laughs> fan page yeah. in the fifties if they had Facebook back then. Hans Gruber has a Facebook fan page. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I think it might be Alan Rickman's. I'm not sure. I can't tell the difference between the two of them. <laughs> anyway. I'm sure that's what Alan Rickman wants to hear. <laughs> All the wonderful Shakespearean parties done. No, no. German terrorists. Yeah, there you are. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Um, other other phenomenal um, factors of the film, things that I really, really enjoyed about it, were um, uh, the sing and dance numbers. A lot of the songs, and I'll get to this in a second on my dislikes, a lot of the songs um, aren't classics. Yeah. But... The sequences are brilliant. Yeah. So well done, so well choreographed, so well timed. Uh, the singing in the rain, the good morning, good morning, yeah, the make them, da- uh, make, uh, make them laugh. Yeah. They're brilliant. Um, and when you see documentaries about historical Hollywood musicals, they're the yeah. clips that are trumped up again and again and again. Yeah. Um, I think this, more than a lot of other musicals, has iconic choreography in it, an iconic... Yeah. Um, work between between people you know when when cosmo and uh, and um uh, donna are, 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 you know dancing with each other it yeah. looks just the, effortless it looks easy that bit where they're at the uh, don's getting his diction training yes. and cosmo comes in and then they just immediately strike up a song and dance number absolutely yeah um, and we were joking about it when we were watching it. We said, "Oh, thank God they just happened to wear their tap shoes when they, <laughs> when they went out that day." Yeah. But it's, it's like you said, it's that effortless kind of thing. It just all yeah. flows so brilliantly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's actually funny. That's one of the only songs written for the movie. Was it? Mosey mm-hmm. the Mosey supposes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's there's a lot there that we like, although we covered it in a fairly short time. Yeah. Because it's there's a lot of general stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a very sophisticated movie. I think that's one thing I'd say for it. Neither a plus point nor a negative point. It's not a sophisticated movie. Um, it's simple and it, it, it revels in its simpleness. Simplicity. Simplicity, thank you. Why is simplicity such a complex word? Interesting. Yeah. Why is the word big so small and the word infinitesimal so big? Yeah, nice one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so um, we have this, we have this uh, uh, simple essence to the film. Um, it's not trying to be... Uh, knowing it's not trying to be arch, it's not trying to be postmodern. Obviously, it's in a period when there was no postmodernism. It's still the modern period, yeah. so the, the, you know modernism was still fully in swing. But it, it's it's got this joyous energy to it, this warmth, um, and yeah, that, that's that's why I like it. Yeah, I completely agree with you on every syllable. Awesome. Which uh, 
Is there reality? But Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should we uh, move on to dislikes? Dislikes for singing in the rain. For singing in the rain. Um, I'm, I'm going to be fairly sort of uh, simplistic, I suppose, with my uh, with my dislikes because it's just that certain songs or certain sequences that misfire for mm-hmm. me. Um, and uh, one, and I think we're going to disagree on this because one, the one that sticks out for me, the the thing I look forward to least every time I sit down to watch this movie is a Broadway Melody. Okay. Just because it's about ten minutes long. Right. Um, now, I know the reasoning for it, and I know the... I, I wouldn't defend yeah. the song. Yeah. Or the sequence. Yeah. But I would keep it in there for the punchline. For, for the punchline. The yeah. punchline is one of the best... It is. It, it's pro- Probably one of the best gags in the movie. Actually. Yes, absolutely. Um, but uh, I just... Yeah, it just bothers me a little that we have to work so hard to get to uh-huh. it. Um, because it is a... I suppose it's 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 one thing. It's it's fine on repeat viewings, when you know the punchline's coming and you yeah. can get why. But it's, I remember the first time I watched it, I just got very easily lost. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot all about the dancing cavalier. I even forgot about singing in the rain. I forgot what movie I was watching. Uh-huh. Sort of three quarters of the way into Broadway Melody. If you, if like, you took it out of the film and watched yeah. it as just a short film starring Gene Kelly yeah. about music and dance, would you would you like it more? Is it because I probably it, not? You no. know, sort of like puts the brakes on the plot for ten minutes, or possibly actually, yeah. So if you saw it in its own context, you'd maybe yeah not like not dislike it so much. So much, yeah, okay. possibly. Because it's not it's, like you say. I mean, the, the, the dancing in it's not. It's, bad, it's very yeah. well done. Yeah, it's the, just not particularly. I, the song's not one of the. I tell you what it is actually. It's even it's a moment within the moment, okay. which kind of fits with our theme. <laughs> of the picture within the picture, uh-huh. it's the bit where it's just Gene Kelly and he, he looks up and sees the the girl across the bar right. for the second time, the, the girl with the, the cigarette holder, yeah. and he sees her for the second time, and then it cuts to like a fantasy, a fantasy sequence within the fantasy sequence, and it's just the two of them on the on the grey stage with yes. the steps, yeah, and she's got the big flowing cape, yeah, and it just drags and it does, drags it? Yeah. and drags. And then you come back to him in the bar with her, and then you're still in a sequence within the sequence where they're discussing another sequence within the film. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's a, basically it's a sequence within a sequence within a sequence being discussed as a sequence within, within the, the film, film. Within the within film. film. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's I can imagine that does get... so many levels. It's like, it's like Inception, <laughs> but in the 50s. So Chris Nolan has essentially <laughs> stolen that idea for his, uh, his blockbuster yeah. of last year. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, and that's the thing is when when I'm going to see Singing in the Rain, I don't want to watch Inception. Okay, and when I'm going to watch Inception, I don't want to see Singing in the Rain. <laughs> yeah. um, um, no, I, I yeah, agree. That, that's my biggest. The, 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 the reason the reason why I I would not get rid of it, and I'm not going to say I like it because I agree with you, it is out of place. It's an odd tone, yeah. uh, and it's too long. But it starts <laughs> off with with Gene Kelly saying. Uh, I've got an idea for the beginning of our picture. Let, let me set the stage for you. And he starts explaining, and then it cuts into this sequence. And it goes through 10 minutes of this extraordinarily beautiful setting and dancing, which, you know, it, yeah, it's too long and it's, it, it's dull, yeah. but it is very, very well done and it's very, very beautiful. No one part of it. No, 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 absolutely. Possibly that one. Yeah. You know, it's, all the pieces are great. It's just there's so many of them. Um, yeah. And then it gets to the end, and RF uh, <laughs> says, uh, I'd like the sound of it, but I had to see it visualised. Yeah. Um, I just can't picture it. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, I just can't picture it. And that's just genius that we've just watched it and then he just snaps us out of the fantasy by, <laughs> by doing this punchline, which I suppose is, is postmodern. I was saying there's no yeah. postmodernism. That is quite a postmodern joke. So It is, kind of, yeah. yeah. Is, it, um, is it the first postmodern joke, maybe? Probably not. No, probably. It's maybe the first postmodern joke in Hollywood. Could, could be, yeah. 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 So, yeah, so, so there's, there's, that, that's the reason I would keep it in. But I agree with you. It is a very, very um, 
overlong bloated sequence in the middle of a film. Um, I think that's maybe one thing that I, w- I would I'd chip in on here is the pacing of the film. Yeah. It's not a very well paced film. I think structurally it works really well. You know, in terms of um, if I were to teach narrative structure by looking at this film, you could point that almost half an hour that's when um the jazz singer becomes a box office hit and then you know you've got all these points where the obstacles arise for the heroes to overcome uh, and you've got sort of the hero the villain the false hero and you've got all these different sort of narrative points that really sort of make sense it's not formulaic i wouldn't say in a negative way like that but it certainly does follow the structure of the classical hollywood narrative yeah um and yet there are moments because it's songs that don't necessarily fit the plot yeah. Where it does seem overlong, yeah. Um, like, I mean, that's that's the best example, but there are others as well. I think the song where Don and uh, and Kathy woo each other. I don't like that yeah. bit. That's very long. It could be done. That had been done so much better, and it has been done better, yeah. specifically by people like Woody Allen with dialogue. Yeah. Where we see a couple fall in love in one scene through dialogue. Yeah. Um, uh, rather than this, the magical power of lights and fans lights and, and yeah. love, you know, it's 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 bloated and it's 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 one of the very rare but noticeable missteps, missteps I think in the yeah. in the in the relationship between the characters. Um, I think that for all Cosmo's wonderfulness, he's not really in it enough. Um, he comes in, does a quip, and then leaves. He's not integral enough to the plot, I think, to warrant being third billing. It's- yeah, it could be. I mean, the sto- the story would work. The plot would work very much the same if uh, Cosmo and Dawn had been a one man act, and it's Dawn and Dawn and RF at the end. You, you know, it's kind of it's or like... or if Cosmo had had more in the finding of yeah. Kathy, or more in the in the um, uncovering of Kathy's talent. Yeah, if he'd had more to do with it. Um, so you've got Don is the star, and you've got Cosmo as his sidekick, and he does yeah. more sidekickly duties. Yeah, you know, it's like having um, I suppose, Chewbacca I mean, not does... rip anyone's arms off. You know, yeah. it's like it's like Chewbacca being there and not shooting a gun. Yeah, why would you have a sidekick there if he's not being useful? Not do anything, and yeah. that, that's one of the Although, things. Then, to be fair, Cosmo does come up with the idea of the lip sync of the. He does, yeah. So, so that's that that's one point. Yeah. I, so I if he'd done yeah, more things like that, I exactly. Think, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I think okay. that might be it for the things that I don't like. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot that I don't like about it, but all the behind-the-scenes stuff. The same thing, uh, should yeah. we get into that now? I think we're as good a time as any. Yeah. Day. Okay, so apparently Gene Kelly was a prick. Yep. Now, I, as I said before... Ironically, we started swearing before the South Park bit. <laughs> as I said before, uh, there's a warmth and an easiness to their interactions. Apparently that was not the way it was on set. No. Um, he made uh, Debbie Reynolds cry a number of times. In fact, there was one point when he insulted Debbie Reynolds so bad... Um, that she went off to cry beneath the piano and Fred Astaire, who was on set at the time, took her out and helped helped rehearse her dance moves with her. Uh-huh. Um, so kudos yeah. to Fred Astaire there, you know, yeah. lovely guy. Nice but Gene Kelly, what a bastard yeah. for, for doing that I... to a girl in her first leading part. And it's not like she was rubbish. She'd been cast because she was good and she was good. Yeah. But he was an absolute tyrant. You know, he'd give Kubrick a run for his money. Uh, and also, um, uh, D- uh, uh, Donald O'Connor yeah. um, was smoking four packets of cigarettes a day. Um, 
partly because you know people smoked a lot back then and i think partly also because of the stresses of working with gene, gene kelly, kelly yeah. and he also had days apparently according to later testimony when he didn't want to come to the set because he was terrified of to what mood gene kelly was in was he going to get an ear lashing for nothing yeah. um so he, he really had a horrible effect on the uh, on the other actors yeah. um and he actually came in um and redubbed debbie reynolds tapping on good morning yeah. He came in later and he redid her tapping. Because um, obviously they would have sung it separately and then yeah. mimed it on set and then the tapping, the tapping would have been recorded been on set, set and yeah. the song would have been recorded in the sound studio or, a, or in a different sound studio. Uh, so he, he could isolate her tapping and then redub it. Um, which you might think, well, of course, it's Gene Kelly. He's a genius dancer. Of course yeah. he would. He actually had two choreographers working with him who went uncredited on the film. So they came and they worked with him throughout the choreography of the film and got no credit. So it looked like he did it all, but in fact, he didn't. And in fact, when he then did Singing in the Rain, the, the film's signature piece, yeah. they had to go and redub his, his tapping, tapping by standing in a shallow tub of water yeah. uh, and, and doing the tapping that way. So for all his perfectionism, he actually had to get redubbed, uh, re, re, uh, his, dubbing re, uh, his tapping redubbed uh, by his own experts. So all these horror stories, I mean, it turned out to be a fantastic film, but yeah. my God, was it worth it, working with that tyrant? What a Cameron. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah. exactly. You, know, you, yeah. Get, you, get your, you get your filmmakers today who are, you know, yeah. Michael Bay's and your David Cameron's. Yeah. And, you know, James Cameron's, do, even. What did I say? David Cameron. Ooh, <laughs> Freudian slip. Yeah. In case you're wondering what side of the political fence we're on, we're clearly in the left. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, um, the fact that James Cameron and Stanley Kubrick they, they did that to their their uh, their actors mm-hmm. um, is that is that justified? Is it necessary? I mean, are you allowed to do it? Should the, yeah. should the union should the Screen Actors Guild step in and say you know you're not allowed to treat our actors that way anymore? Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a minefield, isn't it? It is a minefield because on the one hand, you know, and certainly in the cases of Gene Kelly and uh, James Cameron, they seem to yield results whether the methods are questionable or not. Absolutely, you know. yeah. But then again, in the cases of Michael Bay. They don't. They don't. And Steven Spielberg doesn't yell at actors, and yeah, he makes great films. Steven Spielberg's a lovely man. Yeah, you know. Frank Darabont's apparently fantastic to work with. Yeah. And uh, he made the best film of all time. So certainly a heavyweight candidate. One yeah. of them, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's it's the one where if, if you disagree with someone... About it's, something. It's, 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 not, it's not that many people's <laughs> personal favourites, but when you can't come to an agreement on your personal favourites, you pull Shawshank Yeah. A, well, we can both agree that Shawshank's magic. It's yeah, the glue that cements movie fans together. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> that's what Shawshank is. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, but we, need, yeah. we need to do Shawshank at one point. We do. do we? Should we do Shawshank and the actual greatest film of all? Okay, sorry. What's the actual greatest film? Well, I was going to start an argument because you would, oh, want, I to see. Do, you would want to do, say, Shawshank. What would you call the greatest film of all time, if I, not Shawshank? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I mean, for a long time, my personal favourite movie was Gladiator. Gladiator yeah. yeah. And I, I still love Gladiator to bits, but I, I, I do find my tastes evolve. Mm-hmm. You know, even just two, three years ago, I think my, my taste was very different to what it is now. And that's not just because a new film's coming out. It's also just to view existing films yeah. in a different way. And I, I see something I haven't seen I before. I would go as far as to say Disaster Movie is the best film ever made. I'm going to hit you. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> um, okay, so South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. uncut. Um, likes and dislikes. First of all, if I may weigh in here with my yeah, likes. Weigh on in. Um, the first thing that I like, the thing that really stuck with me, even how old was I when it came out? I was 17, I think I was. 
even as a 17 year old a wet behind the ears naive young you know it's just starting to step it was i think my 17th year was maybe my first or second year of buying empire movie magazine it was when i was still very early in my in my film fandom um, not early, but because I, I liked films from a kid, but the first time that I was doing it properly, I was reading about the behind the scenes, learning names of directors and producers and finding out what film studios made. It was very, very early on. And I watched South Park and one of the first things that I noticed, sorry, I'm going to burp. One of the first things that I realised about the film was how goddamn clever that <laughs> film is. It works on every conceivable level. Um, it's a film about kids going to see a film they shouldn't be watching but thinking they should because it's a cartoon and it in itself is a cartoon that kids shouldn't be watching that kids went to see. Yeah. That, for me, it may seem kind of not pretentious, or maybe pretentious to, to, to pick yeah. that up as the first point, but, but that, for me, is so clever, it just absolutely formed the foundation of every piece of comedy and every joke that you find in that film from then on in. Yeah. Um... I loved it. I loved it for that. I loved it for the fact that it was clever. I loved it for the fact that I was 17 uh, and I was technically allowed to watch it because it's a 15 and a lot of the episodes are 15s. And yet when I was at school and South Park first came out, I was watching it and a lot of the younger kids in school were going, yeah, farts. And I was going, it's not about the farts. It's about, you know, it's about you. It's about you laughing at the farts. That's the joke. You're the joke, not the farts. Uh, And then the movie came out and basically said... Everything I thought I knew about the program was right, <laughs> and I am the right kind of fan, and that yeah. it, is, it is a program for me, and that, that's yeah. what I loved. Um, I felt very smug with myself for that, and I still do. But damn it, I'm not apologising no, for it. Quite right. Um, so that's that's the first thing that I really, really, really like about South Park the movie. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. It's it's one of those. It's easy to take something like South Park and dismiss it as lowbrow or yes. juvenile. And it is anything but. Absolutely. Um, and this goes for the, the series as well as the movie, but mm-hmm. obviously the movie's our case in point. But it is, you hit, hit the nail on the head, it's so damned clever. Yeah. It, it's unreal. And the, the guys, I mean, Matt and Trey, it's chock full of references and things as well. And I'm yeah. not I'm saying re- referring to something, um, and I don't want to be deletist and say referring to something highbrow means you're highbrow, you know. But, but no. It's, you know, the, just the fact that these are clearly guys who have a level of sort of understanding and education that you wouldn't expect yes. in someone who's making a, a show about kids that cuss and fart. Yeah, um, correct me if I'm wrong, writers of Nickelodeon programmes or writers <laughs> of you know, cartoon network yeah. programmes, but they don't seem to ch- throw a lot of references in there to, to yeah. the Hollywood musicals or, or you know, sci-fi yeah. films or you know, whatever. Absolutely. Unless um, it's Star Wars. Yeah, everyone references Star Wars. Yeah. Even George Lucas from time to time. Not very often. <laughs> Cha-ching! <laughs> um, um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think you're, you're right. It's, it's really, really clever, and it's really... What I like about it as well, there's a great... There's sort of, there's a dedication to every sort of joke and every punchline. They never bottle it. No. Um, there's never a joke there for joke's sake. Yeah. And there's never a joke there that seems like they've pulled back on the reins. Yeah. Um I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things out there. I, I will I point to you, Family Guy, and I point to you, American <laughs> Dad, and Seth MacFarlane. There are a lot of things out there where they either go too far because they want to be extreme and yeah. they lose the comedy because of that. Yeah. Or there are things out there, I'm pointing at you, Simpsons, yeah. where they pull it back and they don't make a joke as funny as it could be because they're thinking because of 
the censors or the shareholders yeah. or whatever. And I think South Park is the prime example of, of ones that just fire for the bullseye and hit it every time. They yeah. don't go too far, but neither do they pull back exactly. uh, and, and hold back from hitting the comedy note. Yeah. That is, you're right, that's the difference between South Park and Family Guy. And don't get me wrong, I mean, Family Guy, a good episode of Family Guy is great. Absolutely. Right? A good Family Guy gag is great, but yeah. for every good one, there's also a bad one yeah. somewhere. And the, the difference is... South Park never tries to be offensive for the sake of being offensive, no. like Family Guy and American Dad sometimes mm-hmm. do. Uh, but then similarly, like The Simpsons, Family Guy never aims... Uh, sorry, South Park never aims to be, you know, acceptable the for the sake of being acceptable yeah. either. It, it says, you know, if we think it's funny... Whether, I mean, there's plenty of jokes in an episode of South Park that you could put on TV before nine. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because sometimes it just, you know... It's sometimes it literally is butters falling over at the right moment. And yes. that's funny. And it's changing. Do you know what it is? Yeah. Um, another another thing that they have got down pat because they're big Monty Python fans, yeah. uh, and Monty Python basically invented modern comedy. They, yeah. they didn't. There's a lot of influences that went into them. But yeah. as a Monty Python fan myself, I'm going to give them the credit <laughs> for it. Um, they they it was Monty Python's anniversary or something, and they did a sketch, the Dead Kenny sketch, which is the Dead Parrot sketch, but with Carmen yeah. and Kenny. Um, and they were in a documentary explaining about the the influences that they had, and they said it's the comedy of blinks and that for me opened yeah. my eyes it's like something happens how many blinks does this character have bef- yeah. before they say something to make it funny yeah. and that's it it's yeah. almost like music it's like you have to precisely time it like a symphony yeah. like like a refrain in a piece of music to make it work and that that's why i think comedy is so misunderstood people think they can just go and tell a joke and be funny or they think because their mates laugh at them then they're funny and they should be laughing no yeah. comedy is like it's it's a, it's a discipline yeah. like music it's all about timing absolutely yeah. um and and they are they are masters of it they are you know grade 8 piano but in yeah. in comedy and the highest grade i don't know but yeah, that's it, and uh, that's why I think it's so funny that these these two musicals we've picked are also two of the funniest ones. Yeah, uh, because music and comedy go hand in hand so well. Because yeah, again, absolutely. it is all about timing. If mm-hmm. you've got that timing coordination, you can you can write good music, or you can maybe write good music. You can maybe write good comedy. You know, but mm-hmm. if you don't have that, you certainly, you certainly can't. can't. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, yeah. And you know, another thing that I'd like to say, while while you were talking before about something to do with the the different sort of levels of comedy, I wanted to weigh in here with um, the word, the overused word Shakespearean. Okay. A lot of people mention things are Shakespearean. I'm going to slam a film here that you love, a recent film that you love. Mm -hmm. Thor has been Uh described as Shakespearean, and it's not. No. It's a very good comic book film. Mm -hmm. It's actually quite a good film of its own right. You know, as a blockbuster, it's certainly above par, but on no way is it Shakespearean. I would say South Park, certainly South Park, bigger, longer run cut, is the quintessence of a modern Shakespearean masterpiece. And the reason for that is as follows. Shakespeare wrote exactly like that on those levels. In all of his plays, you will find bits that talk about the gods and talk about honour for the upper classes. You'll find things that talk about references to... Um, modern day life for the middle classes and you'll find knob and fart jokes for the lower classes. In every single Shakespearean play, or at least in in most Shakespearean plays, the one that comes to mind is Macbeth, when you've got the gatekeeper that comes on and talks about how being drunk means you can't get a stiffy. That would have had the the, the lower classes laughing in hysterics like 
lighting your farts on firewood in South Park. Yeah. And then at the same time, he's talking about destiny and fate. And, you know, are the witches responsible for Macbeth doing what he did? Or did they just see what he was going to do anyway? If they hadn't said anything, would he have done it? And that's the same with kids are going to see the film. Should they go into the film? Because it's a cartoon, but it's not a cartoon for kids. It's a... mm-hmm. And on, on that level, in yeah. that level of intricacy, it is truly Shakespearean. Um, and I think that, I, I hope that in 500 years time, um, academics will be... <laughs> You know, pulling us apart in English classes, saying, "But what did he mean by Uncle Fucker? Did he actually mean?" <laughs> that's 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 yeah. my hope. You heard it here first, folks. South Park is Shakespeare. <laughs> I think that goes on our T-shirt. That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so no, that's, I, that's... I think you're right. Yeah, is because uh, it does have that level, and that that's the thing. I mean, we said it's easy to dismiss South Park as lowbrow when mm-hmm. it isn't, but that doesn't mean say that there aren't lowbrow moments in the industry. Of course, so, some but of yeah, the fart the jokes, same was said about yeah. theatre in sixteen oh one. You yeah. know, it's lowbrow. It's a common form yeah. of art. You know, it's yeah. yeah. Um, and no, it's not. It's like some of the fart jokes are there to highlight the fact that thinking fart jokes is funny is itself a joke, mm-hmm. and some of them are there just to be funny. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, absolutely. It's like the one that comes to mind when Kenny arrives in hell. And this dragon thing swoops over him and breathes fire. And then, and then on its way out of the shot, it just goes... A little fire poop. A little fire poop. Yeah. It, it contributes nothing to the movie. <laughs> but you go... <laughs> towards the end of the scene. Yeah. Even though maybe ten minutes are... Well, Kenny's entire death was caused by the kids thinking lighting your farts is awesome. And you're sitting there going, what a bunch of idiots, you know. And then a little fire poop. A little fire poo. And, and if, if you didn't snigger, you're superhuman. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's... or you have no sense of humour, and you shouldn't yeah. be allowed to watch things. Yeah, you certainly shouldn't be watching South Park anyway. Um, so yeah, it's uh... on to my next like. Then I think yes, if that's okay. Unless you want to chip in with a, with a new one here. No, no, you, you, I'm quite happy to take the lead. Okay, see if... it's it's it was in the '90s. It's less so now, I think, because people are starting to learn. Uh, but it was very, very rare to have a comedy musical where the music was as good as a musical. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of comedy musicals out there that either used musical music or didn't have very good music. Yeah. Um, and you didn't really care because the jokes were there, blah, 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 blah. Um, again, tell me if I'm wrong. Stephen Sondheim's Babes in the Woods, probably musical theatre fans are going to write in and, and slam me here. But it didn't seem, certainly in, in terms of films, that there were an awful lot of uh, funny musicals out there. Yeah. So then this comes along and it's very, very funny. But also the music is phenomenally good. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, from the opening sort of Disney-esque uh, mountain town yeah. to, to Satan's up there. Yeah. You know, it's it's phenomenally good music. Different styles, different tempos, different moods. Um, and, and they're all really funny. They're all integral to the plot. And yet, well, with the possible exception of what would Brian Boitano do... Um, which is a great song, but is that integral to the plot? I suppose it is yes, when they decide to go on their, yes. their mission. Um, so, okay, so all the songs are integral um, and they're very, very well written, you know. Yeah. It's, it's one of those ones where you might buy the soundtrack CD and play it because you enjoy listening to it, not just buy it because you're a fanboy. Yeah. Um, and it's one where, actually, as well, I enjoy listening to the songs from South Park, not just because they're funny, mm-hmm. but just they're genuinely they're good pieces of music. Piece of music. If, you, if you took the lyrics out and replaced them with something else that was... You know, much more sincere. Yeah, I'd, I'd still probably like the song just as much in a different way. Yes, because yeah. it's, it's now no longer funny. But a lot of the music in there, especially um, the La Resistance, yes, we die, La Resistance lives on, and yeah, that big medley there is. I mean, when I was a kid, this was before D- DVDs or well, it was around the time DVDs came into 
into Vogue, but uh, I saw South Park on video because mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't old enough or convincing enough to get into the cinema, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and uh, we didn't have a DVD player yet, so it wasn't until it came out in video and my big brother rented it that I went, ah, Nirvana. <laughs> so I watched it and it was glorious. But s- some of the lines in that medley I couldn't make out. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't hit, hit subtitles on like I can on the DVD. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I knew that movie for about five years before I knew what some, uh, of, those some, some of the what some of the lines were. But I always loved that sequence. Mm-hmm. Even though I couldn't tell what they were singing, it's just, I like the music, you know. Yeah. It's, I knew they were going, tomorrow night. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it still works as a piece of music to absolutely. get you emotionally invested exactly, in the yeah. scene, yeah. Um, in fact, that's another yeah. another thing, just to, to bring that up, that, that song. Yeah. Um, because at the time uh, when South Park came out, I was at uh, I was at college before I went to drama school, um, and I was I was getting very much into the idea of being in the performing arts in uh, into the theatre, um, and uh, and that sequence there it basically takes off um, the Les Misérables fifteenth mm-hmm. uh, anniversary special or is it the tenth anniversary special I forget but there's, yeah. there's a bit in that in that video where um, the camera's focusing on Valjean. Uh, and then you get a little sort of a superimposed side of his face from a different camera, and then it fades back out to the original shot. Yeah. Um, and that shot is echoed with Gregory <laughs> yeah. singing. And no one, I don't think, who has not seen that video would get why they do that. Yeah. But because they are also theatre geeks as well as yeah. you know sci-fi geeks and film geeks and all these popular culture geeks, yeah. they put that in there. Yeah. You know, and it's one of those things. Who would get that joke? Well, they don't care. They get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. I like that about it. So yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, the, so the songs, the songs there. Are yeah, like you say, they're just brilliant. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think yeah, the, the copies of that CD sold for three reasons. Mm-hmm. You had South Park fanboys that wanted donuts at South Park. Mm-hmm. You had people that wanted to laugh at it in the car as well as laugh at it on the CD player, and then you got people that just enjoyed the songs. Yeah. Um. Or or. Us who are all three. Yeah, I think you know, the, the, the Venn diagram would have a very big middle section. Yeah, now, it would have it? a huge yeah. middle section. But yeah, it, again, the, the the songs just like the movie around them work on so many levels. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, that's that's I suppose another thing that's really good about it, what I really like about the way it's written is that the 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 South Parkness again the, the South Park's X factor, mm-hmm. which again runs through the show and through the movies, is there's no leap between the the dialogue and the songs. You know, it's still you can feel the essence of Matt and Trey all, all over it, through, yeah. and, it, and the the foot never comes off the gas. You mm-hmm. know, it, it, there's never a moment that's they've they've just had to chuck a bit of dialogue in to get from one bit to the next, or they've just had to round a song off or all that stuff. It just feels very steep. Every moment's been thought about, and you know, time again, time to precision, time to perfection, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what else do I like about it? I like the animation. Um, again, this comes from research after watching the film. Um, well, not after watching it recently, but after watching it the first, the first thousand thing, yeah. times. Um, but the animation obviously is done on computers, um, whereas the first episode and the original uh, Spirit of Christmas short were made with construction paper. Um, and what I like about the film that that they didn't do in the TV series, and then it's from season five onwards, when they're doing it on a program called Maya, which is sort yeah. of like super Hollywood CGI program that they do. 2D cutouts on um, but I, I like in the movie the fact that they have rendered the 2D bits of card in 3D with the program and animated it in their really strong 3D program like a 2D yeah. construction paper yeah. film so you can see the shadows behind the models of the kids 
and the shadows are computer generated shadows issuing from the few millimeters difference between the background and the characters yeah and that's in there to emulate being made of construction paper when actually it's made of a program that was making you know yeah the 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 colosseum in gladiator <laughs> uh, and you know spaceships in star wars phantom menace yeah. you know it's it's that level of technology being used to digitally copy construction yeah. paper i love that i love that so much that the, there's that teaser that came out when yeah. it talks about the latest state of the art animation <laughs> and you see the wireframe <laughs> model and stuff and then it zooms out and it's just cartman yeah. <laughs> who the hell are you people and it's. I mean, that's only half jest. I think they, yeah. they exaggerate it in the teaser. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they exaggerate it's... the budget and how many people worked on it and so on. But, but it's, it's probably a joke based in reality. Yeah, yeah. they've used the the pinnacle of of the t- t- technology available to them to make something that looks like you know the most. And it's it's working smart as well because they could have just done it if they wanted to to go for the. Uh, construction paper look. They could have done it all on construction paper. Yeah, but they saved themselves so much time doing it the other way. Absolutely. Plus it, it's funny as well. It's like, and you get to work the, in the fire effects and, you know, the special yeah. the CG effects when they come. But, yeah, but it, yeah. It, it's funny, the fact that... It, yeah, it's a sort of... On top of everything else, there's just... The way it's made is a gag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How brilliant is that? Yeah. <laughs> Genius. Uh, it reminds me of Team America, um, which that. is obviously also by Trey <laughs> yeah. Parker and Matt Stone, um, when the, the opening shot is of this... Um, uh, uh, what they call puppet string puppet string marionette marionette that's the word um and uh, basically they they got all this money from uh, from paramount they'd made this film and then when the paramount executives sat and watched the film this opening shot with this sort of really crap marionette and the paramount executives sort of went oh my god these guys have fucked us and then it pans out and you see these really really good marionettes yeah. manipulating the crap little the marionettes crap ones, yeah. and you get the joke there and it's a very similar joke to that yeah um, i apologize there for the second f-bomb uh, but we did warn you at the beginning of the we podcast. did well, I, I don't i don't think we should apologize for any more f-bombs let's not apologize for do, you know says, do you know do you know what because I, I would hope that if we, there's anyone in our audience um that is likely to be offended by an f-bomb they'd have stopped the, an f-bomb even they'd have stopped listening at the start uh, if know, they were clever yeah, if they were clever this yeah. this is like this whole thing about all the people who I'm, I'm sorry to go wildly off topic here but I need to get this off my chest go for it so all the people in this stupid bloody nation of ours that wrote into the papers to complain about something offensive that was said when Jonathan Ross and Russell Brand were on the don't listen to Jonathan Ross and Russell Brand right <laughs> I could have told you when I picked up the Radio Times and saw who was on right okay those two are going to say something horrible okay I think I think yeah. that Andrew Sachs should have. Yeah, should have he's, written he's, he's. If anything, they got off light from him. <laughs> I'd have hit the roof if it was me. Yeah, he he's right to be annoyed. Yes, but, but no, the, rest, Publix, the rest of Britain, the rest of us, it's none of our business. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, I think and yeah. that's what bothers me. If you don't like people... something, don't write about it. Press the off switch. The big yeah. red button in remote control. You know. It's... So yeah, for those people who were who who don't want to hear swears uh, and are still listening yeah. to our podcast, fuck you. It's your own fucking fault. Anyway, on to dislikes. Or have you got any more likes you'd like any, to talk any about more from, likes South, from Park? South Park? Uh, there's um, probably a load of there, talked about. I mean, we could spend the whole day talking about. You know, we could go through it character by character as well. You know, I yeah. love Cartman. It's it's. Some of Cartman's finest work is in this. This, but, um, is, this is Cartman as the anti-hero, isn't it? Yeah. In the later seasons, he becomes Cartman the Machiavellian supervillain. Yeah. And in the earlier seasons, he's Cartman the foul-mouthed little kid. But this is Cartman the anti-hero, yeah. where he really comes into his own as a as a main character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if, you watch the, if you watch the later seasons, I mean, it's up to season 15 now, yeah. and this, this came out after season two, two so it's, it's 13 years old. 
Um, but if you if you look at him now, he is the star of the show and an evil, evil little shit. Yeah. Whereas then he was just the foul mouth friend yeah. of Style and Can, who were the main characters. Style uh, and Can. <laughs> That's Ky- Kyle what I said. <laughs> They've changed the name. That's a celebrity him? couple name. Yes. <laughs> Stan and Kyle. Stan Kyle and Stan. and Stan. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Stan and Cam. Anyway. Stan and Cam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah I, I like the fact that Cartman there comes into his comes own into as, his, as yeah. the anti-hero, as the sort of the saviour of, uh, yeah. of the of the world, supposedly. Anyway. I know, it's brutal. See, Mom, after all that, it was Cartman's filthy fucking mouth that saved us. I love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> because, again, it's also going back to the meta thing you know yeah it's, it's cartman's filthy mouth that get gets matt and trey into trouble a lot of times absolutely but, yeah but yeah, it's saved, saved the film sa- absolutely saved the film and well, yeah save the world in the film yeah. The, yeah um so yeah we, we could go into it character by character obviously I'd, i think, think cartman need, needed that little yeah, saying there C- but... cartman gets props but yeah uh, the rest I think everyone, very good uh, every character from the show uh who was very good and is, is used well here the, o- the only exception in this I'll, I'm going to leap briefly into my dislikes, then come back to my like, okay. and then finish off my dislikes proper. The only character from the show who who isn't who doesn't have one of his best moments in the film is uh, Randy Marsh. But then, to be fair, Randy Marsh only really became the Randy Marsh we know and love later after on. the film. Anyway, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, when I first watched the film, I didn't think Stan's dad's not done enough. No. You know, but when I watched it tonight, I was like, oh, there's Randy. Uh, and I just started remembering all the yeah. awesome stuff he does. See, I would say the exact yeah. same thing for Butters. Yeah, you're the right. The fact Butters. that Butters did not become Butters until after the film. So when yeah. I watch it and I see him in the background, I think, well, why isn't Butters coming and doing stuff? But of course, he's not Butters. He's, not Butters yet. he's yeah. just background he's just template number kid. three. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but uh, yeah, so like I said, we could prattle on for ages about all the, the show characters who do well in the film, because mm-hmm. they all do. Uh, but then there's also characters that were introduced for the film, um, such as the Mole. Yes, um, who's oh, a genius character. Oh, the mole's brilliant. I love him. And I like yeah. the fact that he's never been reintroduced, because he, yeah, dies, he in dies in it, it, which isn't an impediment. You know, Saddam's yeah. died a few times, Kane dies all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, but I like the fact that he's never been in the series. He is a, a movie-only character. It, it makes me think, like, there's almost his his death's given a reverence. Yeah. Uh, by, by Martin Tree. He only dies like, once. He, he's, he's died, and we're leaving him alone. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. And yeah, he's he's a wonderful little shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, who else was was created just for the movie? The general, the general, yeah. Who's quite uh, funny. He has he has one of the funniest jokes. Yeah, he does have one of the best um, jokes. Yeah. Who else? Um, I think that's a bit. Cause Saddam had been in, in Saddam the had been in it before, twice, and and, and Satan, Satan had, had a few had, times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and obviously, Terrence and Veltman. I suppose some of the random background Canadians. <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 the minister the bit, of Canadian the bit films, the Canadians in the in the UN is so funny. Yeah. I, I wonder, how well received was the film in Canada? Am I as far as I'm aware, Canadians well. get the joke. Yeah, um, I th- I'd like to think they'd probably get it better than a lot of the Americans do. I yeah, I wonder. But yeah. I like I like to think maybe this is just my my sort of um, my my bias towards our Commonwealth cousins. Yeah. But I think the Canadians are a fairly cool bunch. Yeah, um, and I think I think they would get. The humour. They, they know that, that, that Trey and Matt aren't taking the piss out of Canadians, they're taking the piss out of the American view of Canadians. Yeah. And I hope, I think that's probably clear enough, and I, I hope think, the Canadians get so, that. Yeah. As a nation, because they all think alike. There are yeah. no individual thoughts in Canada. Of course not. Yeah, you, know, you know what I mean, though, as a, as a, as a, as a whole. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you're right. I don't remember there being any outcry or it being. No. I don't remember Canada being on the list of countries that tried to ban it. No. <laughs> um, so, uh... Do you know what other countries were not on the list that, of uh, countries that tried to ban it? Iraq. 
There is a, a, an urban myth that Iraq banned this film being viewed, and it's just not true. No. They never released it. Yeah. Because it's... Paramount knew yeah. <laughs> that it would never get allowed, so yeah. they never even they tried. Never even so, so, yeah, so it's oh. an urban myth. Iraq never banned it, they never got the opportunity because it was never shipped to Iraq. Oh, well, there you go. Was Team America? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. For a similar reason. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so those are those are our likes. And again, yeah. you know, if you agree, disagree, want to add your own or disagree with ours, uh, email churchofben at googlemail.com or leave a comment at malcolmbenji.blogspot.com. Yeah. So, dislikes then on South Park. Dislikes on South Park. <laughs> um, there isn't a sequel. Yeah. There isn't a sequel. The- There's a three-part from season 13 called Imagination Land. Yeah, which really was good. going to be a sequel and that would have worked really well as a sequel because yeah. one of the reasons they did the film the way they did the film was because they didn't want it just to be a long episode they wanted to do something else with it yeah. which is why it's a musical why it's about heaven and earth uh, hell and earth yeah. why it's about censorship why it's so self-referential yeah. um, and I think Imagination Land also is big enough um, yeah. to be not just another episode which is why it's a three-parter um, and that would have been really good as a movie if yeah. it had been a bit more, bit more money into the into the animation budget would have made that a really spectacular movie. Yeah, because um, it's a great three episodes. Uh, yeah, the magic episodes. Yeah, like... there's no uh, there's no sequel to South Park. No. Bigger, longer, no, and there should be. Um, that, I don't like it. the title South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. I'd feel much happier if it was called either South Park the movie or South Park the motion picture. For a very very simple reason, I like movies based on TV shows to have the subtitle the movie. Okay. Or the motion picture. Yeah. A la Star Trek, Star Trek the motion picture. The motion picture yeah. Or, you know, Simpsons the movie. Yeah. Which is, by the way, uh, far inferior it, to this. It's not the Simpsons movie, surely. Shh. No one's going to stop the podcast, go and check the DVD and then come back. I could have yeah. got away with that. Sorry. Yes, it is the Simpsons movie. But, but yeah, my point remains. Yeah, the I, movie subtitle. Yeah. 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 You're right. It's a very, very minor gripe, and I'm sure it applies mm-hmm. to me and maybe three other people in the world. So if you're one of those three, kill yourselves because you're sad. And I will, uh, I will do likewise. No, you won't. I no, need you. don't kill yourself. Do not kill yourself. If that happens, God, you might even get shut down. Yeah, we'd be in so much trouble. Yeah, of the of the seven people listening to us regularly. Do, 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 do you know <laughs> what? If one of them was was on the on the verge. Do you know what? As well as Daily Mail or someone find a way to blame language on TV. Yeah. We, we were talking about South Park when we Absolutely. told people to kill themselves. That, that'll be it. Just... The Daily Mail got on to be great publicity though. Mm-hmm. Free advertising. Yeah. True. Um, yeah. yeah, don't know. No. Anyway. Yeah. No, so yeah, I, I think that's about it, it for the grapes. So that there isn't another one. I can't find is, anything else. No, I I think it's... like I said, the, the only things that the only things that disappoint you are things like Randy and Butters. When you've seen more recently what they can do with those characters, oh, I wish they'd thought of that back then. But yes. you, you can't blame the film for that. No. Because t- it's time Evolution, travel. Yeah. yeah. It's, dinosaurs. Yeah. Why didn't you invent computers? Yeah. Damn exactly. it. Um, so and and I think it's, it's very telling that those are the kind of straws we're having to grasp at to, yeah. to find a, a flaw with it. Yeah. So it's really the, um, and the trouble is something like South Park that revels in its own. You know, I mean, the, the, they're their own harshest critics, and you know, yeah. the, the first target South Park will take a piss out of is South Park. Yeah, um, like, like the one where where they, they won they won the Emmy. So then, and then the the first episode of the season after they won an Emmy, the <laughs> was the one where Randy does the giant poo. Oh yeah, so, and then, there, there, there's a little ticker tape came along the bottom every ten minutes. There's a shot of Randy on the toilet, and it comes mm-hmm. up just saying Emmy nominated series or Emmy winning series. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Um, 
So I think if there if there was a mistake or a flaw or something in South Park, they'd have just grabbed it and used it as a gag and moved on. Yeah. So it's, it's really hard to find something that... Um, there, there's no songs that misfire or moments that... There is one song that misfires. Okay. But this, does it misfire? It's the second song that plays over the end credits. That's how much I'm having to grasp. Okay. Uh, which is sung by Michael McDonald, Through the Eyes yeah, of a Child. Through the Eyes of a Child, yeah. Um, I didn't like it at first, but I do now. Yeah, that's yeah. all I can really say about it in terms of gripes. I, yeah, I I didn't get it at first. I heard it when I was a kid, uh-huh. and I just I kind of tuned out. And this, this was before the days where I mean, there is a post-credit stinger on this one, but this is before the days where they were so prevalent, prevalent yeah. that, that I I now sit rigidly when I finish a film just in case. Um, and uh, I I just thought it we got the funny song, we got the Brian Botano, the other version mm-hmm. uh, over the end credits. And it's it's like when you know you used to watch a blockbuster and you knew that uh, Bon Jovi or Green Day or someone had done a song for uh-huh. the soundtrack, and sure enough, it's the first thing that plays over the end credits. And yeah. when it finishes, you just get a medley of Other score songs, from the yeah. from the movie. You know, oh, score. Um, uh, and it did like a Batman Returns had Susie and the Banshees, and then just Danny Elfman, you know, things like that. Um, so I kind of tuned out after the first song mm. because I just thought it's just going to be background music, you know, for the rest but of the credits. It's actually a really it's funny not, song. It's actually, when you listen to the lyrics, and it's, it's, it's really sung by Michael McDonald. How do they get Michael McDonald into yeah. sing that? I don't know. Um, it's like it's um, same way they get Clooney in to be the Doctor. It's, well, no, because he's he's got quite well, a good yeah, sense of humour, I think. Yeah. Whereas Michael McDonald's not known for his comedy, you know. No, so that's true. it's like um, Blazing Saddles. The, the theme tune to Blazing Saddles was written by Mel Brooks but sung by a guy whose name I forget, but he's a very famous country and western singer who sang quite a lot of western themes. And he had no idea that it was a song taking the piss out of westerns. So he sang it really sincerely really? and really sort of, you know, emotionally, and that's why it's so funny. Um, but I, I don't think Michael McDonald could have that. I think he must have known it was a comedy song, yeah. and yet... Well, the, the, yeah, the punchline, what is it, like... Life is kind of gay, be, but through the but eyes. It doesn't of a seem child. that way through the, the eyes, eyes of a of child. child. Yeah, which is amazing. You know, yeah, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> you can't ignore that. Um. So yeah, that's it for gripes. Um, yeah. I, I you, in, in lieu of gripes, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about a few of the um, behind the scenes stories um, behind South Park. Oh yeah, because th- this was quite interesting because we already talked about the the behind the gripes the, the problems behind the scenes on. Singing in the rain, rain, yeah, were, were internal, internal to do with Gene Kelly mainly, yeah. and this was external to do with Paramount and Comedy Central uh, and the MPAA. Paramount originally came to Matt and Trey and said, um, "We want a PG thirteen movie." And Matt and Trey were like, "Have you seen South Park? It's not going to be PG thirteen. Yeah. We're only going to do it if we get to it an R rated movie." Um, so then, you know, eventually when. Comedy Central realised they weren't going to get a movie otherwise. They said, fine, okay, fair enough. So they went and they made it. And then the MPAA came back at it um, and they had loads to say. There was a scene, I think it's where they click on Cartman's mum's video. And it was meant to be Cartman's mum doing a horse. Ah. Um, which the MPA said, nope, you can't have that, it's bestiality. So they went back with the idea of having a being pooed in the mouth and they went, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> We're okay with that. Just not the horse. Which, you know, you know where, where, what would you, which, which side of the argument would you come on? Is, is yeah. being pooed in the mouth worse than doing a horse? I, I have it's, no idea. Yeah, it's, it's not something I've ever thought I'd, uh, I'd debate, and I don't really want to right now. Um, <laughs> Send your answers in, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, but th- that, that was one of the issues the MPA came back with. Um, and it's like, you know, h- how is that better? Yeah. 
Um, it's like in Robocop, there's a scene where Ed 209, it's for Ed 209's first scene, and he shoots this executive, and he shoots him for about a minute and a half in the uncut version. Yeah. And it's hilarious. It's hilarious because it's stylized violence, it's over the top, it's satirical violence, it's making fun of violent movies, and that's what Paul Verhoeven was going for. Yeah. And the MPAA came back and said, no, that scene is too long, um, it's too violent, cut it down. So instead he gets shot for about 10 seconds and it looks much more intense and it looks much more violent and gory yeah. and bloody. And essentially it takes the the shot back to what the MPAA didn't want, want it, to, it be, to be. Yeah. Which is, you know, I'm, I'm not saying the MPAA and the BBFC in Britain shouldn't be there. Of course they should. There needs to be regulation on movies because, yeah. you know, humans tend to be too. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, they, they need to be able to contextualise it. They need to be able to say... Right, this is a minute and a half of someone getting shot, but the filmmaker satirising screen violence, and therefore it makes sense, and not yeah. you're, you're seven seconds over. It, it's not a mathematical process censoring yeah. a film, um, and I, and I think it's the same thing here. You know, yeah. watching you don't even see it on the screen, do you? But having the implication that Cartman's mum is doing it with a horse, yeah, it's sick, but. It's satirising the fact that kids can get that on the yeah. internet, for one. Um, yeah. and, and that's a real thing. Kids can get that on the internet, yeah. probably. Plus, there's, there's a line that, that made it into the final cut, donkey reaping shitty to And indeed, Which, when, when the doctor holds up the cards, yeah. there's a guy shagging a, a horse, horse in the yeah, cards. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it's in there anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the MPAA just didn't, just didn't get it. So right. I, I don't know... I don't know I could I couldn't work in a job where I said no no you can't show the woman or you can't imply the woman's doing a horse you can imply that she's getting poo in her mouth that's fine yeah we'll do that who yeah. who goes home good good news darling today I okay the woman getting pooed in her mouth what a bizarre thing what yeah. a bis- bizarre decision to make um, so yes there's a lot of stuff there and that the president of the MPA at the time later went on record it was an R-rated movie yeah. um, which is basically the equivalent of a 15 over here it means you have yeah. to be uh, over 17 or with a, guardian. with a guardian if you're under um, whereas a 15 for us you can't go in if you're under 15 but it's, it's a relatively it's, similar it's rating the closest, yeah. it's the, yeah. there, there are rated films tend to be 15s with us yeah. um, and the guy the, the head of the MPA at the time later went on record as saying he wished he'd given it an NC-17 which is an 18 rating yeah. which means that you can't see it if you're under 17 yeah. um, because of you know because of the violence yeah. Another violence, the, uh, the, yeah. the swearing, swearing and the, and the grotesquery, yeah. which is, is, is ironic and, and sad so because that's ways. the whole point of the film. You know, yeah. as the MPAA says, horrible, deplorable violence is okay as long as it's not supported by any smutty words, yeah. um, which is just, it just it's a point that, that continues to deserve being made. Um, Michael <sighs> Winterbottom made a film called Nine Songs uh, oh, a few yeah. years ago, which was a romantic drama about a couple who got together and they, were, they went to concerts together and there was footage of live bands and then they had sex um, and the sex was unsimulated. Yeah. Uh, the actors, you know, both came on board knowing full well that they'd be having actual sex with each other. Yeah. Uh, and it was all, you know, it was, is it a pornographic film or is it not? I don't know. You know, it's, yeah. it's not made to make sex look unsexy like a... Like a yeah. um, you know, like a like a some some films make sex look unsexy. Gaspar Noé is a king of that. You know, yeah. he makes it look very very. I mean, his films involve sort of uh, sexual violence and things yeah. like that. And this film isn't about that. It's about a couple having sex and the fact that all they've got really is sex and music. And when yeah. that 
that's enough, you know, the relationship ends. Um, and it's not a violent film, and it's not a, a film with a lot of swearing in it, but it's got graphic sex. Now, that film was an 18, fair enough, but should you feel morally like you shouldn't be seeing that film, whereas you can go and see a film where people get shot, blown up, tortured, you know, yeah. James Bond getting his balls whopped with a giant... Um, knotted bit of rope. Now, you might say, well, that's not real, whereas the sex in this film is real. But the the thing is, with Nine Songs, is that A, sex is a wonderful thing when it's two consenting adults. Yeah. Um, and B, it doesn't really matter if the sex is real or not, because there are films that have simulated sex that are looked on with as much, yeah. you know, sort of uh, frowning uh, yeah. as that, whereas you're allowed to see violence and swearing. So yeah. so it's it's an interesting point. It's something that I think, you know, could do its own podcast or, or series yeah, of podcasts in itself. Um, but it's it's a very interesting point. It, it, why is sex and why is swearing that much worse than violence? violence yeah. It doesn't it's, make any sense. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Br- uh, br- uh, die Hard. Yeah. Yippee-ki-yay, Mother Runners or something, yeah. you know, whatever the line is dubbed to, you can still show a guy getting shot to shit with a machine gun. Yeah. But you've got to dub out all I've, the F words. I've never understood why there... I can see why there are airplane versions of... Uh, that's what they call them, isn't it? The, the, yes, the well, that, that's one of the types of phrases, because they have to wear for airplanes, because yeah. you can't control the um, seats on an airplane. Um, yeah, I, I can see why there are those versions of certain films. If you've got a, a romantic comedy or something with, you know, with uh, Ben Stiller and someone someone else you know and at some point somebody f-bombs you uh-huh. know, maybe once or twice in the movie you know that would still get a 12 over here it would still you know and i can see why in that movie okay maybe maybe put out a clean version because the, the one argument is well what, what harm does one f-bomb do but fair enough you're playing at a plane you know a nine-year-old might see it's a, it's a parent's job yeah, to tell a, whether their kid can see f-bombs yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's fine but i don't understand why there are cl- quote-unquote clean versions of die hard we always laugh when Diehards on ITV every Christmas time, and yeah. and, and uh, it was Mother Twinkie was the one I heard. Mother Twinkie, you. Mother Twinkie, um, yeah. was the dub. Why go to that? Surely anyone who's going to be allowed and anyone who's going to be capable yeah. of watching something as horrifically violent as Die Hard, yes, then they're mature enough to hear the the word motherfucker. Absolutely. Um, Especially the way Alan Rickman delivers it. Yeah, <laughs> one of the <laughs> best deliveries of the word yeah. in the world, isn't it? Um, Yippee motherfucker! motherfucker. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, um, so, yeah. so yeah, where, where's the line? So, if you had a film that had the most horrific violence, entrails and skin being flayed and salt poured in the wounds, but no one swore and there were no boobs, would that be a fifteen, a twelve? Yeah, just... It's yeah, it is remarkably bizarre, and I think it needs looking at um, because sex, when it's handled well shouldn't be something to be ashamed of, no. shouldn't be something to be censored, whereas violence should be when it's not age-appropriate. Yeah. I'm not saying I want to see a snuff film. No. And a snuff film is deal with more harshly than a, yeah. than a porno. But then porno doesn't really show sex, does it? Porno shows bizarre images. Yeah. That I'm not saying... Like, as a you know, Freaky underwater life forms. And... Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's you know, yeah. teenage... Training, basically, isn't it? Yeah. For, for when you're when you're ready to try the real thing. Uh, but things like Nine Songs, things like you know, um, I don't know what other films are there with sex in that handle it maturely and responsibly. Hmm. Not like me. Watchmen is there. <laughs> Watchmen. <laughs> no, um, sorry, that was. It. So maybe there should be more films with sex in. Maybe there should be more films that instead of having Adam Sandler, you have sex. 
Yeah. You know, instead of having something really... <laughs> I, I don't know, I'd rather spend my day... Something offensive to <laughs> yeah. humans, like, uh, you know, David Spade, or... Uh, yeah. Who's the guy that was in America Juice Bigelow? Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. You know, why can Rob Schneider be allowed to make a film, whereas you can't have sex scenes in a film? Yeah. Rob Schneider's much worse than sex. Yeah. Rob Schneider's offensive on every conceivable level. The fact that he gets paid millions, yeah. the fact he's allowed to speak, the fact the camera's trained on him, that shouldn't be allowed at all. <laughs> anyway... No, you're right, man. Sorry, Rob, if you're watching. Stop making movies. I was going to say, that, 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 that's down to like five people now. Well, I can do without Rob Schneider, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, to be fair. I mean, if he came and offered me a part in a film, I'm not saying I'd say no, because I'm a very, you know... He's, he's probably like I don't that. have integrity, but I wouldn't like, like it. That Kip Geordie kid. Um, <laughs> he's got one he's, friend, he's got it's one Adam Facebook Sandler. friend, and it's Adam Sandler. <laughs> um, and he's the reason Adam Sandler has no other Facebook friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. No. I was. Uh, I'm. I'm currently um, looking into Happy, Happy Madison Productions uh, for for my day job, um, and uh, it's amazing the number of films that Adam Sandler's done, the quality of them, and the money they've made. It really is the best argument for eugenics. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you you know the, eugenics was quite popular as an idea, breeding to to improve the human race. Yeah. Um, and then Hitler came along and basically used it as an excuse or as a reason to kill the Jews. And it, he he was wrong, obviously. I'm not suggesting for one second um, <laughs> that anything that, that the Nazi party did or okayed was right. Obviously, that's not the case. However, then Adam Sandler came along and I think he's made it a case it's again. Yeah. yeah. I think people who enjoy Adam Sandler films should maybe not be allowed to breed. Is that is that... Very fascist of me. Is that it, is that going too far? Do you it's, think it's a little fascist uh, of you? Yeah. I think um, someone who not... would rather see grown-ups than yeah. see the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think there's the difference because you know I've got I've got to be honest. I've giggled my way through Billy Madison once or twice in my life in my lifetime. Fair enough. When I was twelve. I don't think we can do this podcast anymore. Yeah. But no, I, th- I think I think you, you may as well tattoo Van Helsing onto your arm for yeah. all for all I care now. I actually really like Van Helsing. You know what? I I can't wait till we do that. Um, no, okay, right, I'll stop now. I can't Remember before it. when you threatened to hit me? Yeah. 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 It's going both yeah. ways now. Hurt, hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, no, think, I think, yeah. The fact that Adam Sandler can still make movies sickens me. Yeah. Much more than anything that is said or done in South Park. Yes. Bigger, longer and uncut. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the title. Um, I think you're, you're, you're right about the the motion picture thing. Mm-hmm. and that, that You know, that is cool. And certainly, I mean... I was a huge fan of the Transformers when I was little, and of course the the animated was or, or, the movie. or good uh, <laughs> theatrical release. Michael that, Bay, Bing, Bing, hey, um, was Transformers the movie? Uh, but then I kind of like that again because so much of the film revolves around censorship mm-hmm. and things like that. I like that the uncut is in the, actually yeah. the, the double meaning for one thing, but then also just but it uh, means about e- even yeah. even just the single meaning of it that that the MPA got. Yeah, um, was a jab at them. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. and, and kudos for, to I like the organisations like the BBFC and the MPA. You know they they have to do this. They do this job about what's uh, sorry, yeah, cool. yeah. They you know they have to decide what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. They don't always make the right decision or the decision we would agree with uh-huh. fair enough. But I like that for the most part they seem to be able to. To not not keep it personal. Things like so many episodes of South Park and Family Guy and American Dad mm-hmm. do not 
directly just rip the MPAA. I mean, that yeah. movie has well, got a line. So and the TV in America, it's the FCC. FCC, that's which right. Which is yeah, yeah, very yeah, similar organisation. And over in Britain, it's Ofcom who do the yeah, yeah, television censorship. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, we we could, but all the, those organisations, I've got to say, kudos to them. At the very least, they don't. At no point were any of the MPAA gags cut out of South Park. No. Which is, is, is nice professionalism. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you See, know, they're calling us a bunch of... I don't know if they could. I think they have to justify their decisions. Yeah. I, th- I, I imagine these sort of little grey bureaucrats sat there yeah. steaming at these MPAA jokes yeah. or the FCC song in, uh, in Family in Guy, Family Guy yeah. going, we can't cut it! No. Can't find anything to cut it for. No, there's no, no reason! Uh, apparently the, the FCC episode of Family Guy was uh, really well uh, uh, I, I think there was a, a new young generation of staff at the FCC and apparently they loved it. Oh really? Seth MacFarlane got a letter or something asking if they could have a copy of it when they, they, they screened it for TV Yeah, you know well for the FCC obviously and they wrote to him and said we love that can we get a, can we get the DVD keep. or something yeah, to keep Super. Or something. Uh, I don't know how true that is that, that might be you know our, our urban myth true. but yeah I don't want to dispel that No. <laughs> because uh, yeah, don't research it, fans. Just just yeah, accept it. If you do, don't tell us, because uh, uh-huh. yeah, because you've told us nothing else for three seasons. Yeah, to be fair. Although that said, how long has it been since we <laughs> recorded last? I suppose quite we? a while. Yeah, yeah we're not we, we're not the most. Uh, we, we, I, th- I think it would it would be hypocritical of us to <laughs> shout at our fans. It would wouldn't it? Yeah. level of input when. But uh, yeah, okay. Have we got any more? Uh... Dislikes or likes? Or uh, I, I think know. I think that's it for it, me after our yeah. censorship um, and C- censorship debate. Debate, yeah. yeah. Uh, shall we? Shall we move on to the bests? Um, yeah. Is there anything you want to talk about about uh, anymore? Um, uh, about the films? Think, no. There was one thing I wanted to say. Uh, there's one thing I was planning on bringing up when we did this podcast and mm-hmm. when we watched the two films and it's kind of been my opinion's been swayed slightly by the revelations about Gene Kelly but okay. there's one thing that um, one of the things when we were talking about the warmth of uh, Singing in the Rain um, and you know the feeling when we watched it and remember we both or when we watched it again recently uh, we both remarked several times that uh, they don't make them like this anymore yes. and things like that yeah um, and that's true, and and that got me to thinking about how musicals are viewed and things. And uh, I mean, I talked about the reactions I've got from people when I've said our next subject is uh, music, and, and most people were laughing that we picked South Park as, yeah. as a musical. Um, but then a lot of people were raising eyebrows, you know, just like musicals. Really, I didn't think you were into musicals, and it got me thinking into this kind of this almost social stigma, you know, that, yeah. that musicals aren't tough and aren't manly, and and it kind of it makes me sad because. You know, when Pierce Brosnan does Mamma Mia, mm-hmm. everyone takes a piss and goes, oh, look at Bond doing that girls movie. And that's a musical is girls movie these right, days. You know, yeah. people hear musical. or Not everyone, obviously, but, no, but a, 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 a surprising people, amount yeah. of people. Um, unless it's being directed by Tim Burton. Um, and even, even then. Um, girls who... Yeah, it's just for black. a certain type of girls. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there's almost this, you know, this kind of... Thing. It's not macho, it's not cool. Mm-hmm. And yet, back... Back in the day, back in the 50s, I mean, Gene Kelly was a rock star. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I mean it he's one of these people that, you know, men wanted to be him, women wanted to be with him. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, so I was, I was going to bring that up, but now, of course, Gene Kelly sounds like he's a bit of a knob, so I don't mm. really want to give that cause. Okay. But that, uh, yeah, that's just something that made me laugh is kind of the way the way society's changed slightly. Not well, always. I mean, the, the arts do enjoy a, 
you know, wide fan base and certainly like you yeah. and me that I've I've never thought less of anyone for wanting to go and see a musical or I've never turned my nose up when Katie says, Well we watch No, no, and I mean so, I'm so, I'm a, you know. I'm a big theatre fan. I like yeah. I like a lot of musicals. Um, um I wouldn't call myself a musical fan. No, but I've, I've, I've seen more than ten, yeah. you know, so I'm I'm yeah. I'm I'm, I'm a fay with the genre and I I, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't discount a show because it's a musical. Exactly, yeah. Um, you, I just wouldn't always go to see it mm-hmm. because it's a musical either. I, I prefer sort of to think about the plots yeah. or who's written it or whatever, you know. Yeah. I, I, um, I tend to prefer, you know, guys in tights throwing each other through walls. So, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm way more manly than all that singing and dancing. See, I, you I, know? I, I couldn't call myself a true musical fan because yeah. I like Andrew Lloyd Webber. I think okay. you, you, you can't be a true musical fan unless you dislike Andrew Lloyd Webber and love Stephen Sondheim. That's when you're a true That's when you're, musical you're fan. You're the elite. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas I, I don't mind Stephen Sondheim and I like Lloyd Webber, so I'm not a musical fan. I'm a, I'm a casual. I'm a cash. You're a cash. Yeah. Um, but now we're on to some of the musicals. I'd like to raise just a few points, yeah. um, if we can just sort of focus the discussion towards musicals as our as our sort of uh, topic I of conversation. We were going to drift it into censorship land. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, I think I think if we do, yeah, if we do two mini ones rather than one big one. We can yeah. do a mini censorship and a mini, <laughs> mini musical. musical yeah, that, that'll fine, work, yeah. won't it? Um, my, I, 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 I worry about the state of musicals today, mm-hmm. um, and and Mamma Mia is part of that worry. Sweeney Todd is part of that worry. Um, and more so than anything else, Moulin Rouge is part of that worry. Oh, yeah. Um, the musicals of back then had Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Ginger Rogers, of course, famously could do everything Fred Astaire could do, but backwards in yes. high heels. Yeah. Um, and Gene Kelly, you know, whether it was him or his team of uncredited assistants, made phenomenal yeah. dance movies, singing movies. You know, they were all very, very good, very high quality. That was their profession. That's what they did. And now we've got people like Baz Luhrmann taking what could have been one of the most extraordinary ideas in the world, taking pop yeah. songs and applying them to a different context and making it into a movie, which I still maintain is one of the best ideas for a modern musical of all time. And I don't just mean like, you know, We Will Rock You, like taking all the Queen songs, but I mean taking, using any song that would work and fitting yeah. it into a narrative. And I think the idea of Moulin Rouge is phenomenally clever. I just don't think it's very well done. And I think that's one of the things, is that now it's not about can the people sing and dance? Can they pull yeah. off the parts? Can we make a musical? It's about, you know, celebrity. And it's yeah. about... Um, it. It's about... Sort of, because Baz Luhrmann made Romeo and Juliet, he can now go and make Moulin Rouge. Now, I hated Romeo and Juliet. I hated Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Um, I loved the idea of setting it in modern-day Los Angeles, having the yeah. guns as swords, having yeah. the Montagues and Capulets as business rivals, or one with mafiosa. Yeah. I love that idea. I think it's so clever. And if, if, you, if you visit the theatre, if you're into the theatre at all, you know that's not a new idea. It was revolutionary almost in Hollywood at the time, but it's not a new idea. No. That's what's been done with theatre for you know over 100 years. You take an old play and you modernise it, you put it into a modern context so the audience can relate. That's... That's not a new idea by any stretch of the imagination. And I think the fact that Baz Luhrmann took it to the cinema works really, really well and helped to make um, that particular play and Shakespeare in general much more uh, open and accessible to people. But he, he's not a very good filmmaker. No. He can't do it. Yeah. If someone else had done it, you know, if Chris Nolan had done it or if... Uh, if I'd love to see so, Chris Nolan direct a musical. <laughs> but if, 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 if someone with some clout yeah. had done it, you know, Wim Wenders even or... or, or, or um, Who's the, the Dogma 95 guy? Lars von Trier, if he'd yeah. done it. You know, he did Dancer in the Dark, um, which is an original musical, 
so it's not the same thing. But he made a musical, and it was it was you know not everyone's cup of tea, but a startling you know in, in uh, um, experiment, I suppose is the word to say. Whereas Baz Luhrmann made something that was safe yeah. and sanitized, and even though it's set in the Moulin Rouge and it's about prostitutes. It doesn't. It, it's like I'm saying, like the censorship yeah. idea. He's not going the whole hog with it. Yeah. He's pulling it back. There's nothing edgy about it's it. It's a little That's... bit burlesque. There's a yeah. bit of a flash of knicker and a bit of fish tights uh, and a, you know, sexy women flashing off the legs. But yeah, it should have been seamier, dirtier, grottier, more about the human condition, yeah. more about humanity, and less about you know, yeah, Carly Minogue dressed as a fairy. Um, and again, not that I dislike those things about it. It's it's the it's the film. It's Baz Luhrmann's mm. contribution to the film that I don't like. The fact that he cast Nicole Kidman because yeah. she's a star, not because she's a particularly good singer or well, dancer, yeah. because she's a star. The fact that he cast Ewan McGregor, who yeah. I think is all right in the film, but there's so many better people that could have done it. That's what gets me. Is that I remember there's a lot of, a lot of the arguments, uh, you know, for again take. Uh, Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I can take or leave the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other half's quite enamoured with it, so yeah. I've seen it more times than I'd care to admit. But, um, you know, it's. It, I don't think it's offensively bad. It's not my cup of tea, but it's no. not very good. And the, the reason I say that, it's not very good. It's not that it's poorly written. It's not The ABBA songs certainly lend themselves to, you know, and, and the storyline. Well, it's written is, by, by yeah. Benny and Bjorn, without yeah. ABBA fame, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, you know. Uh, but the problem is when you've got things like Pierce Brosnan doesn't sing very well. No, and and everyone everyone says, I mean, the, the missus has said when we're watching it, I said he's he's rubbish, he can't sing. She says, no, but of course he can't sing. He's an actor, you know. He's not, so what if he can't sing? I was like, but that's my point. Yeah. Why did he get cast? Yeah. It's you know, if, being an actor doesn't mean you can't sing. A lot yeah. of musical theatre actors. I mean, it would be do one, sing. It'd be one thing if if out of a sense of uh, camaraderie or or out of a sense of sort of. Uh, Breaking down barriers and kind of appealing to to everyone. They maybe had a whole cast of people who who couldn't sing, and it was done in a more kind of knowing tongue in cheek, you know, kind of. Yes. Fine. If it was normal, like but a Michael Lee are... musical would be. Yeah. Normally, who can't sing, singing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, and, and they made that part of the hook, part of the gimmick. That would be fine, but we don't. We have this cast of of people, some of whom are really good singers and dancers, and some who's of whom the, are... Who's the main choir in it? Uh, I mean, Amanda Seyfried. No, 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 the famous no, the, one. The, 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 Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, theatre actress, can yeah. sing wonderfully. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, they've got duets together. Yeah. And she knocks him off the screen. Yeah. And and, and that's the problem for me. So There's no, no disrespect to 007. Not at but... all. <laughs> very fine actor. If you yeah. see the Matador, you'll see how good he can be. Yeah. It's like, it's got this kind of... It's inconsistent. Yeah, and the the only thing the actors have in common, they're not all the same level of skill um, as singers or as dancers, even arguably as actors. What they have in common is they're famous. Yeah, they're celebrated. Yeah, so we'll put them in our movie. Yeah, and that shouldn't be the absolutely. You know, you need to have um, f- from a business point of view, it's a, it's a necessary evil. You do need to have a star yeah. in your film on some level. But a, it's a best-selling musical. Yeah. Right. So it's got its name. It's got the musical to back it, to up. Back it up. B. You've already got Meryl Streep. Yeah. And yeah. And, and yeah. Why have Pierce Brosnan? Why yeah. not cast a famous actor who can sing? Now maybe yeah. no one. It was a very very cheap film. Very very low budget. So yeah. maybe they couldn't afford any famous actor who could sing. In which case, if they hang it, we'll get someone not famous and hope Meryl Streep, multi Oscar nominee and Oscar winner Meryl Streep, can carry, can, can, can carry it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a few people have heard of her. Maybe we'll get our money back, yeah. our ten quid back. You know. Yeah. There's there's no there's no reason. There, for there's it. no. Reason. Yeah, um, exactly. And that brings me then on to um, 
to to more modern musicals that don't live up to the glory of the musicals of the past. Yeah. Uh, Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Now, I'm going to have to apologise here because normally I would never comment on a film or at least, you know, not if wouldn't usually comment on a film uh, that I hadn't seen. And I haven't seen Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd. Okay. I have heard Johnny Depp sing. <laughs> Sorry, I, I correct myself. I've heard Johnny, Te- Johnny Depp try to sing. Yeah. Right. Now, why is Johnny Depp being cast as Sweeney Todd, the main male lead, yeah. in a film, in a musical film, when he can't sing? Well, it's not about the singing, it's about the acting. Well, I'm sorry, Johnny Depp isn't really, and I'm going to get a lot of ire here off people, he's not even that good an actor. Yes, he is a good actor, but he's not like the best actor of all time. He's not the, the legend of the, of the modern age. You know, he's not Gary Oldman. Yeah. Um, he's not Alec Guinness. He, he's he's a, a competent movie actor um, who mumbles his way through all his parts. He's done some very, very good work, like Ed Wood, mm-hmm. like um, Fear and Loathing. You know, he's done some mediocre work. Uh, like Pirates two, three, and four. I was going to say, don't don't say Jack Sparrow's mediocre at least. Well, no, not Pirates one. Not he's very Pirates good in one. Pirates very, very one. Good in Pirates one. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah. he, he's not he's not phenomenal. No, I think the reason he's got such a huge fan base is because shock horror. He's pretty good looking. Yeah, yeah he's a good looking guy. He's got a lot of charisma. Mm-hmm. You know, Brad Pitt's not a phenomenal actor, but until the Brangelina thing, yeah. he was very popular as well. Yeah, kind of you know blotted his copybook by dumping Jennifer Aniston. Um, but no, I think Johnny Depp doesn't deserve to be in that film. Now, why is he in that film? Is it because he's good friends with Stephen Sondheim? No, 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 no. Is it because he's good friends with the producer of the company? No, 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 no. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Yeah. Tim Burton. Who says, oh, you know, I, uh, I never just give them parts. I make them audition for their parts, my wife and my best friend. Yeah, you do, Tim, but you don't audition anybody else. Yeah. So at the end of the day, they're at the bottom and top of a list of one. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's another of my gripes. Yeah, I, th- I think that's it. The, the trouble is, I'm, I'm sure way back in the day that there were probably musicals that were released where people could sing and dance and couldn't act. And they'd have been reasonably good, but you'd have gone, oh, the, the performance, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you you got the heyday, you got the likes of Gene The Kelly golden age yeah, of Hollywood you know, musicals, MGM classics, yeah, yeah. Where they could sing, they could dance, they could act. Mm-hmm. They maybe weren't phenomenal actors. No, they, they wouldn't were, have been able to do, good. you know, sort of uh, uh, Pierre Gint or anything. They wouldn't be able to do yeah. Ibsen, but they could definitely act the parts, yeah. yeah. They, 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 were, they were competent in at least one of the three sort of areas mm-hmm. and very good in the other two that yeah. generally tends to be the yeah. you know you might have someone great voice great actor not so good hot in the choreography so some of the other actors are dancing around them more yeah you know? so they'd you stand in the middle and sing that, yeah you know? absolutely but you, you, you ticked at least two of the boxes and you had a half a tick in the third uh-huh. and now doesn't matter doesn't matter as long as they're famous who you are who fit. you know and, and yeah. that's that. it's not taken as seriously as it could be and part of that's maybe because of the audience because of the, the I, absolutely yeah. everything's because of the audience if you pay yeah. and go and see something they'll make more of it yeah you know you can't really blame the studios no. for anything you no. can't blame advertisers for anything it's um, um, it's, to, it's the consumer who is yeah. who is ultimately responsible for what gets made and what yeah. gets a greenlit to, to bring up a, a constant uh, you know sore point but again Transformers you know yeah. Transformers 2 came out everybody hated it. Transformers 3 came out, everybody hated it. But nobody should have been surprised. Transformers 2 made loads. Absolutely. So, and I, I, seeing I, as you're I, going the Transformers <laughs> route, I'd like to go down the Star Wars route. Right? Yeah. <laughs> George Lucas, tinkered with Star Wars, yeah. made a lot of money. We all complained. But he released still... it again. We went and saw it again. He tinkered more. Yeah. The Blu-ray release has made $83 million in its opening week. 
right? It's its first, first week on sale, $83 million. That's more than the first three films cost put together yeah. back in the 80s, okay? Do you think he's going to leave it alone now or tinker some more? Is, I think he's going to tinker, tinker some, some more. more and yeah. it's our fault. Yeah. <laughs> Not my fault because I didn't buy it, but I paid for every generation yeah, of Star Wars before. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything I complained about in episodes two and three, mm-hmm. I've got no right to complain about because, because we I went. Paid and t- I paid for episode one, one and two. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. So yeah, we're we're all to blame. We sh- uh, we shoulder the guilt on ourselves. I, yeah. I mean, I don't think the filmmakers are blameless, but they. Well, no, no, no. I mean, yeah. when I say we're to blame, we're to blame instead of the marketing people, instead mm-hmm. of the advertisers. Not George Lucas because he's yeah. not a marketing person. He's a quote-unquote creative person, so yeah. he shoulders all the blame for Star Wars. Yeah. Um. <laughs> No, not all. Ninety percent, and then ten yeah. percent come from us for buying for, for his yeah, buying it. increasingly worsening films. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's the problem with musicals these days is they're not taken seriously enough by the people behind them. Yeah, so um, that's what we need. We need a new, a new cinematic discipline. Yeah, um, a, a new cinematic wave of musical makers. Mm-hmm. Who care about their art? I need to. I mean, you you've probably seen seen more than I have recently because it's been a long, long time since I've been to the theatre at mm. all, especially for a musical. But I don't know. I mean, I get the impression from things I read in the press and you know hear about in TV and stuff. I think I think the stage musical is still enjoying a very very good. It is of le- level of, yeah. of quality. You know, Th- there's so. there's a lot of musicals from ten and more years ago that are doing very very well. Yeah. Um, Phantom of the Opera, Les Mis, Lion King, yeah. you know, doing very, very well. There's a few more recent that are doing well, um, yeah. things like Avenue Q. Um, there's a lot of film adaptations, Mary yeah. Poppins, yeah. Uh, Shrek, uh, which aren't perhaps quite as good, but are doing well because they're running off the back of a very popular oh, franchise popular anyway. Franchise, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so musicals are the blockbusters of the theatre. Yeah. You know, plays really aren't with a few very possible exceptions. Warhorse was was the the, the most yeah. recent blockbuster play. But yeah, most of the times when you th- that, that was more by accident by audience yeah. reaction than by design. Uh, it was just really good. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, no. Shocker. I, yeah. <laughs> we made something really good and people paid to see it. But um I think uh, yeah. I think yeah, the, the 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 musical is the blockbuster of the of the theater, of the, certainly yeah, of the yeah. West End and Broadway. So, do you think maybe screen musicals could learn some lessons from, you know, go back to basics and go and sit in the theatre and yeah. say, what are they doing that we're not? Absolutely. Let, let's fix this yeah. thing. You know? Yeah, singing and dancing and acting. Damn it, this is revolutionary. <laughs> we don't need all that crappy CGI or the Christina Aguilera covers. We can yeah. just hire good people. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, there, so, there we go. Is that, yeah. are, you, are you happy with that? I, I, f- I feel... Vented. Excellent. Yes. Let's uh, let's uh, move on to the best. Tests. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, we'll do you sing in the rain first. Yes. Uh, so, can I can I go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay. My favourite character um, is uh, uh, Kathy. Kathy. I think she's okay. so sweet. Oh bless her. Yeah. I think she's lovely, and I think you're going to go for the one that I would have gone otherwise. Um, well, I, I'm torn between two, neither of which is Kathy. Um, okay, well, I, I, if I not for Kathy, I would have gone for Cosmo. Yeah, is that Co- one Cosmo's two? one of my yeah, okay. two. So, so yeah. Kathy is mine. I think she's yeah. great. I think Debbie Reynolds is fantastic, especially when you consider it's her first lead role. She's yeah. really, really good. Um, she's a good singer. She's a good dancer. Even though she was overdubbed for some of her songs yeah. and some of her tap routines, I don't think that was necessary because I think she is talented yeah. enough. I think that was just Gene Kelly being a dick. Yeah. 
Um, so any, anyone that would make Debbie Reynolds cry for any reason, I, uh, I, I would fall out with. She's just lovely. She is lovely, isn't she? Yeah. And she's Princess Leia's mum. Yeah, man. Have we got this far without mentioning that she's oh. Princess Leia's mum? Oh, I need, I need, I need to deliver my anecdote. Oh, go on. <laughs> well, you got this the other day when we were watching it, but um, a few years ago, a, a, a great many years ago, actually, when I when I was about knee high, and I was already thoroughly familiar with the Star Wars franchise, but I didn't actually own them all. Um, and my dad bought me, finally got around to buying me Return of the Jedi on video to complete my set, and I was dead chuffed. I'd seen it loads of times before, but yay, Return of the Jedi. So we're sitting around watching Return of the Jedi, me and my parents, and uh, my dad's got this funny look in his face. He's concentrating, he's trying to figure out, and he's trying to figure out what he recognises in Carrie Fisher. And he says to the room in general, whose daughter is she again? And my mum, God bless her, without missing a beat, goes, Darth Vader's in complete... (laughs) Total seriousness. She wasn't taking the mech or anything. She just, she just thought he'd missed it oh, earlier on. That is phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> that is phenomenal. Dad, dad was trying to figure out. I don't know because uh, who, who was, who was uh, Carrie Fisher's daddy? Eddie Fisher. Eddie Fisher. Yeah, I don't know if it was Eddie Fisher or Debbie Reynolds. He was seeing. But they were both famous. They, so yeah, either, exactly, yeah, yeah. He's, he, but he's trying to figure out whose daughter is she Darth again? Vader. <laughs> <laughs> Darth Vader. Brilliant. And it was said in this way that they told us ten minutes ago. Were well, you not watching? Yeah. Yoda confirmed it. You know. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think that's my favourite anecdote in the what, world. What, in the world? In the on world. any subject? On any subject. Think? Well, certainly uh, the, the funniest anecdote this week, yeah. I think that is, okay. that is brilliant. I'll, 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 tell, I'll tell my parents they've got the, the Malcolm Benji anecdote of the week. Absolutely. <laughs> Even though they did it about 15 years ago. <laughs> okay, um, so that's my that's my favourite um, character, characters, Kathy. Yeah, I think Kathy. she's lovely and I, 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 I root for her. Yeah, I, I, I think she's lovely. I, I love her first scene with Dawn in the car. And she just takes no crap from him. Mm-hmm. Um, which, especially after finding out about Dawn behind the scenes, uh, good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she, I think she's great. She's funky, she's, she's charismatic, fit. and she's very, very good looking, isn't yeah. she? Really is, yeah. Um, but yeah, my favourite character is uh, probably Cosmo, I'm going to go for. I think we can both agree that Cosmo's our. Uh, you know, he's definitely he's getting the honourable mention. Yeah, he's, he's, else, he's, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the one I was torn with between Cosmo and it uh, was actually Lena. Okay, uh, Lena Lamont because and it goes back to what we talked about earlier on when you said you didn't really sympathise with or, or didn't really enjoy villains. Yeah, but then but I do I love her in this day and age. She, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a, a fondness for the villain, isn't there? Yeah, I mean she's an absolute boot, but she's just I mean, and it's all it's and everything. It's the walk, the the voice, you uh-huh. know. The, uh, she she nails it all every scene. Can't stand him. I can't stand him. Um, and then when she's talking and her voice is going further away from the mic, and then <laughs> she's yeah, uh, it's just brilliant. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting that in a film made in the fifties, which was yeah. not known for its uh, heightened feminism, yeah, uh, in an industry which is not known for its respect towards women, yeah. we've picked the two females as the, uh, as the uh, best yeah. best parts of that film. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Absolutely. How enlightened are we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, best line. My, I'm going to go with my best line. Okay. okay is, okay. is the punch line to that joke? Yeah. Um, ten minutes of musical, and then he says, uh, you, "You you remember the line better than I do." What what, is it? What is it? Um, it it sounds good, but I just can't visualize it. I just can't picture it. That's yeah, that's it. the one. Yeah, I just can't Sadly, picture I just can't picture it. it when we've just seen it. I think it's just it's yeah. a little postmodern nugget of, of wonder, um, and I love it. There's a, a load of great lines, none of which I can, uh, you know, I can't remember an awful lot of them from the film. Yeah, there's, um, there's not a lot that are going to end up on a t-shirt. No, um, but, <laughs> but that that yeah. line there is 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 very very clever. Yeah, it's good. Um, I actually 
don't have a favourite line as such. Okay. Um, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with your choice, but what struck me more about, I mean, like you said, there's not a lot of sort of instant quotes. No, it's not a dialogue film, is it? But what I really liked, and this has got nothing to do, I'm going to fly in the face of a lot of the things we've said to celebrate this movie, because it's got nothing to do with it being a musical or to do with who was in it or anything like that. It's just to do with when it was made, or more importantly, when it was made and where it was set. Uh, and there are a great many number of films that were made in the 50s that were set earlier um, that that display the same thing. And it's it's the way people talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're all standing about sp- talking about the, the, the jazz singer, and they're just like, it's going to be a smash hit. The talkie's a new thing. You know? <laughs> and they're all, everybody just talks like this. It's really pointed and really fast. And hey, you, get over there. Give me, you know. Who's the guy that Don Lockwood keeps talking to off screen? Joe, get me a, yeah. give me a snake, would you? Yeah. Give me a tarantula, you know. I just love that. I love the way they all talk. Yeah, that's that. sort of 1920s Hollywood patter. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's, see, there we go. It took me 10 minutes to say it. You've just crystallized okay, it. 1920s Hollywood patter. The, but yeah, the, fact, no, that, that's, the fact that everyone talks in that. That's very, very good, is, yeah. It's just superb. I like that. So I, you could pick any line as long as it's delivered like that okay. I'm, I'm going to call it my best so. do you know what else I'm going to put in a second favourite line and okay. it's partly down to Family Guy right. <laughs> you know which line this is going to be I, I, I think so it's now. when they're singing good morning yeah and then she sings the second verse, good morning, good morning, too late to get up there, good morning, good morning. And they go, nothing could be grander than to be in Louisiana in the morning, in the morning. morning yeah. uh, and there's a bit in Family Guy when Joe um, has sort of got his legs back and he's being a complete tyrant to them, they're making them sing this song. Yeah. And at that point, Stewie jumps out and sings that line without realising the rest of them have stopped. Yeah. And it always makes me howl. So when I was watching the film, <laughs> and I'm sorry to the people that love this film that I'm liking this line based on a Family Guy reference, but yeah. it's, you know, yeah. live with it. Um, it is it, that bit there because I, I just imagined at that point Stu is going to pop out <laughs> behind uh, Gene Kelly and sing that line. Oh, that would be magic. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's not really a favourite line, but I just wanted to yeah. slip, slip it in there. Slip it in. Yeah. Okay. Um, best, I suppose, best routine, best number. Is yeah. That what, is that what we'll do? For, I guess so. Yeah. Rather than best scene. Um, I'm going to go with Good Morning. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning to you. Because it's the three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels, like I say, warm. It feels yeah. nice. It feels it's, good. What a fun gang! That's, Absolutely. Yeah, that's... yeah, I've never broken into song with you yeah. know my 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 girlfriend and you or whatever. You know, we've, we've never done yet. that yet. <laughs> yeah, there's still time. We need to we, we need to learn a routine just so we can break into yeah. it impromptu, quote unquote. Yeah. So that that's that's the one I'd go for. Yeah. I think. Good call. Um, I would go for the. I I was kind of I'm in an arm between that and another one, so I'll just go for the other one. But um, is uh, make him laugh, mm-hmm. just because again of of the three singing dancing stars, I think the one that that tickles me the most is, is Donald O'Connor. Yeah. So the, the sequence that plays to his strengths is mm-hmm. the one that. Um, again, when I talked about Broadway melody being the bit I'm looking forward to least, I'd say make him laugh is usually the bit I'm most. looking forward to most. Um, yeah. I I I think I agree. I think that is yeah. possibly. It, definitely between those two. I went for yeah. Good Morning, Good Morning because I like Debbie Reynolds, but that, that yeah. is, is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Although props also actually to the final uh, Singing in the Rain when the, the three of them go up and, to they, the, <laughs> and they're, they're, they're yeah. pulling the curtain. I do like that as well. Yeah, that's very um, good. It's a lovely denouement, isn't it? It's a lovely yeah. sort of closure to the film um, that she says she'll do it, she'll never see him again, and he knows. Yeah, he, um, he knows he's going to change her mind in the next three minutes. But, yeah. Uh, um, 
Don Lockwood's a much nicer guy than Gene Kelly. Isn't he just? I really like Don Everyone Lockwood. is. Yeah. Every, every character <laughs> Charlton Heston's ever played is nicer than Charlton Heston. Even the psychopaths. I don't, apart from, ironically, <laughs> Charlton Heston in Friends. Uh, that was a horrible character played by Charlton Heston. I think he's nicer than the real Charlton Heston. Do you think? I think so, yeah. If he still kind of shouts at Joey. Um... Yeah, but I think if he's a real Charlton Heston, you just shoot him. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Beat him to death. Yeah. Um, okay, if if South... Charles Heston's lawyers are listening to... <laughs> yeah. Please leave us alone. Yeah. We're very sorry. We, didn't mean to. we meant the character on the show, not the real not the, man. The real man. Anyway, yeah. uh, <clears throat> South Park then. Uh, best character. And I think I'd like to play the Transformer Doctor the, the, the Prime, Prime here. Uh, we can't choose Cartman. Car- yeah. Cartman gets uh, Carte Blanche. Um, Cartman Blanche. Yeah, yeah Cartman Blanche. Yeah. Um, okay, so Cartman aside. Best character. <laughs> I was going to say the mole, but I think it's got to be Satan for me. Okay. Um, I just love that he's... Um, or, or maybe, can, can I do two? Can I say Satan and Saddam as a couple? Okay. Yeah, that's um, fine. That's yeah. That's legitimate. Yeah, I just I just love their, 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 their as, a, as a double act. Okay. Because um, it's sort of, a, it's again, it's almost like... The, the use of Saddam, I think, is brilliant in that... It's so funny, and I don't have much familiarity with the man, but I'm guessing he wasn't much like his South Park persona. I would assume not. not. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So there's that, but then there's also... It's almost like a bit of reassurance in the movie that they know they're going to piss off a lot of sort of uh, rednecks. Yeah. But yet they've got... Our villain is still, you know, the nation's villain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're like, well, it can't be that bad. They hit Saddam. You the know? enemy is my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Surely, please. So, um, yeah. Um, so I think it's very, very clever again the, the mm-hmm. use of Saddam, but then it's also he's just really, really funny. He's just a it, what if you remain a sandy little butthole? And he is, he's a sandy little butthole. Yeah. But he's, and I love that Satan is Satan is the good guy. He's the sympathetic, yeah, absolutely one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that. that from a, that's the hook. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very, very good. That he is. He's possibly <laughs> the most well-developed character in that film. Yeah. Um, yeah, which would piss off Christians, but yeah. But but he is he's you know yeah. he's got the he's got this responsibility as the dark lord to live up to his personality. Yeah. But really, he just wants to sit at home and read a book and talk to his boyfriend. Yeah, and it's kind of sweet. It is very much um, so. Yeah, and his reaction to you know a, a lot of sort of you've seen films that deal with various incarnations of the devil and uh-huh. you know Gabriel Byrne chasing Arnold Schwarzenegger around and so on and so forth. And you know that the, it would almost be like Kenny had screwed him over. You know there there'd be that. Uh, when, when he says you may have one wish, and Kenny uses that wish to put hell back in hell, which uh-huh. you'd think is the one thing Satan wouldn't want. Yeah. Um, you know, and he would I, go, I guess I'll have to go back alone. Curse you! You know, you have foiled me, but yeah. he doesn't. He just goes, that's fine, it's okay. I've, yeah. I've stood up to my oppressor. You've helped me, little boy. I'm uh-huh. quite happy to go back to my flat now and start looking through the classifieds and try and find myself love. And bless you, Satan. Bless you. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Um, okay, who am I going to go it. with? Um, I'm I'm going to go with the mole then. Yeah. I was thinking I'd quite like to go with Big Gay Al because yeah. I love Big Gay Al. I love him in the episodes that he's in, and I yeah. love him in the movie. But he's not in it enough, really. Yeah, he's he kind of um, he just pretty, turns up for the USO show, really. Doesn't yeah, he? yeah, he's probably in it maybe as much as the mole. No, he's not in it as much as the mole, but he he's not in it that much. Um, whereas the mole is, but the mole yeah. is is a genius character. Yeah. Who sent you? <laughs> we'll show God who's not going to give him a shit. You know, I, I love him. I love yeah. the fact that this nihilistic, you know, sort of um, obviously believes in God, but is very much against him. Um, 
just this twisted, torn, broken little kid yeah. who is clearly the greatest digger the world has ever known. Yeah. He's like, he's like, he's done this before. He's a me- How is he? He's eight. Yeah. But he has, you know, yeah. I, just, I love that about him. Yeah, I love the just fact that, that he yeah. smokes, you know, he, he's like, we don't have watches. We don't have watches. You don't have watches. What is this? Children's player. We sit around licking part of the dinosaur's fucking pussy. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I love those sort of outrage, the, the bursts. Of, yeah. He's worse than Cartman with his swearing sometimes. He is. Yeah. You know, he's he's just he's a brilliantly written character. He's very very funny. <laughs> the pathos of his death is cheesy, but also kind of genuine. Yeah. You know, the fact that he dies like um, uh, the character, the, the the leader of the revolution in Les Mis. You know, yeah. it's that kind of musical death where it's very melodramatic. But I think they earn it. You know. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Oh, he's just the boy. The sign of a dying giraffe, and what's a book for? For for poopies, because he still ate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I um, love I love how seriously he takes the grinding thing. You know, just, yeah. you realise if we do this, we could be grounded for two, possibly three weeks. Yeah, and then later on, I'm not getting grounded again. Yeah. Not for you. Not for <laughs> anyone. You know, getting ripped apart by guard dogs is fine, <laughs> but as long as he's not grounded, grounded yeah. yeah, that's that's, that's it. Yeah, so the mole, I think, for me, uh, and again, the fact that he's not brought back in a further 13 seasons, shows the dignity of his death. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's not that they've forgotten about the character or mm. anything like that. They've just... They, they know he's there, but yeah. they're, they're respecting his death. And mm-hmm. yeah. Best line. Hmm. Can I just pick the whole script? I, <laughs> I, it's so hard to... Yeah. I like when the clitoris speaks in the voice of Glinda from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Dude, you just need to have confidence. <laughs> I love that. The fact that a giant clitoris speaking like the wicked, the, the, the good witch of the East yeah. is, is using the word dude, dude. to start a sentence. Yeah. I and love chicks that. dig that. Yeah, chicks, yeah, chicks dig confidence. Um, yeah. It's not my favourite line, I don't think, though. I wanted to bring it up because it's funny, yeah. but I don't want to pick up my favourite line. I, I, I have two... Mm-hmm. I think I, I would agree with wanting to pick the whole script. Mm-hmm. And I think the two that I've got are the two that are sticking in my mind right now, but they're far and away not the two most memorable. One is the last line of a song, and one is actually a bit of dialogue, and that's why I feel mm-hmm. comfortable picking two. It's kind of a cop-out, but okay. it's also not, because they're, they're two different types of, of dialogue. Um, the first one for me is the, the one that basically my favourite thing about the film. Um, because we talked about all the censorship and all that stuff and turning it around in its head. It's the last line of Blame Canada, before somebody thinks of blaming us, which is essentially heading it off before it happens. All the mothers that complain about their kids mm-hmm. seeing South Park, well, why did you let them? And, you know, it's basically the entire movie and the entire furor around the movie can be summed up by the song Blame Canada. Yeah. Um, and the punchline just hits you like a rocket, and mm-hmm. it's brilliant. It really is. Um yeah, so that, that, that that's my favourite bit of sung okay. dialogue. My favourite bit of spoken is, and this purely because it's flying in the face of all the sensible stuff we've just said, because mm-hmm. I'm juvenile and I, I like um, puerility sometimes, is when they're trying to convince Big Gay Al to sing. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and it, you can see he almost goes for it and then he changes his mind and yeah. you just hear Kyle go, Sing the fucking song! <laughs> Yeah. And the fact that it's so echoey and far away, but we know it's Kyle. Yeah. We don't even know it's a kid. We can tell it's Kyle, yeah. and we can hear the frustration in yeah. his voice. Oh, just... big girls playing the game. Oh, I don't wanna do it. I don't wanna do it. I don't wanna do it. I don't wanna sing a fucking song. Yeah, I love that. I love that as well. That's... It's so. I'm glad you picked that. Yeah. Because I maybe wouldn't have thought of that just now, but yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just. Um. Okay. 
I'm going to go for the same then. One line of song and one line okay. of dialogue. My favourite line of song is in Up There, and it's when uh, <laughs> Satan says, um, with that evil there would be no good, so it must be good to be evil sometimes. sometimes. Which I think is an argument which absolutely floors many arguments as to why the devil is the villain, yeah. when really he's not. Um, and it, it it makes you think of a much more, and I'm going to sound really wanky here, and I apologise for that, <laughs> but it, it, it it's part of my sort of anti-church tirade. I'm not a big fan of... Uh, of um, of Christianity, um, not Jesus. You know, Jesus was awesome by all accounts, um, but yeah. by by the way that men used a, a religion to, to um, yeah. abuse each other. Um, and I, I love the fact that it leads it much more towards a sort of a yin and yang kind of two sides of the coin. Yeah. You know, without evil, there could be no good. Yeah. And we need good, so we need evil. Therefore, by rights, you know, and, yeah. and it's like, well, you can't you can't want to get rid of Satan. Yeah. Because then you kill God essentially. So shut up. Yeah, so I, I like that. I like the fact that in this sort of gay song about a gay Satan singing about his gay cruise, um, they get this line in which basically can make you think about the whole infrastructure of religion. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I like that. Yeah, I I also what I like really like about that line um, is just the, the way it's delivered as well. That's one of my favourite songs mm-hmm. out there. In fact, it might. Well, we'll, we'll come to that. <laughs> but. Um, what I love about that is there's that bit in the middle where it, it almost goes like something out of Meatloaf yeah. with the backing singers. Yeah. And the fact that he sings he sings the whole line. It's not him then the backing singers, but he the first part without evil there can be so good there can be no good is just him. And then the backing singers come in to back him up. Which is very, very meatloaf. It's, yeah. you know, um, if you listen to anything for love, there's a few bits like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love that. Too. Without evil, there can be no good. So it must be good to be evil sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. For, for, for all the reasons you said and the fact and, that the delivery is, yeah. I would agree with you. So that's, yeah. that's my song line. Uh-huh. Uh, I think my favourite line of dialogue. Um, oh, what's my favourite line of dialogue? I don't know. I can't pick one. It's also good. I can't pick one if I had to pick one. If I had to pick one, I think I might go with the general. Um, <laughs> or the, the, the exchange between the general and Bill Gates. Yeah. Get Bill Gates in here! You told us Windows 98 to be faster with better access to the internet. It is faster. Over 95 million. Bang! Yeah. And then the general shoots him in the face. Um, as a person who used Windows 98 at the time, I loved that bit. Yeah. I loved that bit so, so much. It was like, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish every time my computer didn't do what it should do, I could shoot Bill Gates in the face. Um, not really, obviously, because he's very, very rich and there would be no more Windows. But yeah. if I could have like a cartoon Bill Gates that I could shoot in the face, that would be good. Yeah. 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 So I have to pick one. That's the one that I go with. Yeah, that's a good one. Hmm. Good. I also like the... The, the lead up to that where it first goes screwy mm-hmm. and he just goes fucking Windows 98 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was including that but I Sorry, thought yeah. I'd already included the F yeah. word too many times so I left the ah, good call, good call. Nah, yeah. we've got our disclaimer we, we have can yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. But, um, I also there's another bit from the general that I really like is where you know in South Park certainly in the early seasons in the movie they've kind of dropped this gag now mm-hmm. yeah, these days but when they used to have the police or the army moving in great numbers they would just come in and see they still do that they still, they still any a group of military men they go and what I love is the bit where the general's addressing the troops and mid sentence he segues from you know coherent English into so now remember men and they all start cheering you know yeah, yeah. I just love it it's a, it's a nice touch yeah that's nice very, good. Yeah, very good very um, good okay best song best song um, I was going to say up there okay uh, 
Yeah, well, do you know what? I think my actual favourite song is the medley. Okay. But because it encompasses so many of the other ones, I'm, I'll play an Optimus card on okay. the, on the, yeah, on the, on yeah, the medley. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Because um, it's got the best bits of three or four of the best yes. songs. Uh, but I would say the best standalone is probably up there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for, for me, anyway. I just Again, the, the lyrics are funny. The music is really good. It, it's one that I would listen to irrespective of the lyrics mm-hmm. i just it's shamelessly cheesy i know i'm not painting a very macho image of myself but i really like it no it's so, great it's um, a good song yeah. it's a very good song um and although as a metaler i should probably throw props out to james hetfield for little boy you're going to hell yeah um i'll, I'll give that an honorable mention okay <laughs> um <laughs> i'm gonna go with uh, uncle fucker good call um the reason why i don't think it's the best song i'm really doing best here but it's really more of a favorite than a favorite best. yeah um the reason I'm choosing it is not because it's the best song, but because when I was 17, and I was halfway I between some very good beer. <laughs> I sorry, and I was halfway between child and man, um, which I'm, I'm still kind of straddling that line. I, I've never really fully become a man, but I think that applies to every man. Yeah. Um, so I, when I was halfway between child and man, um, and I was a fan of South Park, and I was getting into film in a big way, and um, I went into that cinema and this is before really the internet before i had the internet certainly mm-hmm. so i'd seen the phantom menace trailer on the big breakfast not on the internet and you know i i, I yeah. hadn't really seen much of south park i knew that i liked south park and i knew that i liked i was going to see the film and then i went to see it not really knowing what to expect at all and then that song kicked off and i remember laughing probably harder than i've ever laughed before or since even <laughs> maybe not since but certainly it was the biggest laugh of my life up to that point. And I'd seen some funny stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, okay, maybe, maybe maybe not the biggest laugh. You know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Monty Python gave me big, big laughs uh, as well. But this was definitely up there. This was up there with the biggest laughs I'd ever had in my life. I was sore. I was sore about the face and sore <laughs> in the ribs from laughing so much. I was laughing so much I probably missed a lot of the next scene. I yeah. probably missed how Kenny... You know, that's, that's much later on, isn't it? But I, I, I missed I missed a lot because I laughed so much. It hit me by surprise, and it was so funny. And so and the fart duet, the fart trio at the yeah. end of the mountain, oh. it's absolutely genius. It's puerile humour taken to an art form. Um, and I saw that film about five times in the cinema, more than I've ever seen a single film in the cinema in its original run. Um, and I just went in to see it again and again and again, and it never got less funny. And now that I've seen the film probably maybe nearing 120 times over the past, you know, 12 years, um, I'm not laughing as much, maybe, because I know what's coming. But it it still still tickles me. still know how funny it is. Yeah, Yeah. it still presses those same buttons in my brain that say, this is one of the funniest things mortal man has ever recorded (laughs) for posterity. You know, this is up there with the greats. This, if not anything else, this will be torn over by academics in a thousand years as to what comedy really is. Um, I loved it. Good show. Okay. Good show. Yeah. So there we have it. There we have it. Malcolm Benji's view on musicals, yeah, uh, and censorship. Yeah. So uh, you should a, d- a double bill of double a bill. double bill of double bill. How uh, phenomenal! Yeah. It's almost like a picture within a picture, a double bill within a double bill. Which this oh, is yeah. getting deep now, isn't this it? This is. I, I'm oh, actually frightened. I am a little. Yeah. Do, do you know what? Yeah. Good goosebumps. Oh. So there we go. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed that. Me too. I hope you did too, listeners. Not Malk, because obviously he just said he did. Yep. Um, 
so yeah, um, stay in touch. Hopefully the next one won't be uh, too far away. Um, yeah. I'm not saying next week or anything, because you know, we both have day jobs. Yeah, um, but uh, hopefully it won't be as long as, as this one was. Indeed. Um, um, so yeah, stay tuned on iTunes or at malcolmbenji.blogspot.com for the next episode of Malcolm Benji's Double Bill. Thank you very much. Cheers. And remember, wherever there is injustice, you will find us. Wherever there is suffering, we'll be there. Wherever liberty is threatened, you will find... Malk and Benji.